It's time to unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. Kangan.edu.au. RTO 3077. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Hello, Aaron. Welcome to Dwayne's World. Great to have your company wherever you might be listening around the planet. Dwayne's World for Kangan Institute. Unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. And it is Midday Madness time. You call, you get on. That's the Midday Madness promise. One three hundred seven three six seven three six is the open line number brought to us by Werribee Kia. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. The Werribee Kia open line. Werribee Kia awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. Anything in the world of sport you'd like to discuss, get on the line. I was just talking to Sammy Edmund. Uh, Joe and Roville was on the line. Wants to talk Jack Gunston as well. Um, whose forward line would he fit into best? Because as I mentioned, uh, Brisbane was kind of the well. They've got the best forward line in the comp. Danaher, Charlie Cameron, Hipwood, Bailey, McCarthy, their top five goal kickers. Their best three goal kickers kick more goals than any other team in the comp. Their best three kick more than any other best three of any other team in the comp. And Brisbane also kicked the most goals of any team in the comp, 359. They were number one um, on the goal kicking ladder, if you want to take it that way. And the points for ladder, they were number two behind Adelaide. So where does he fit best? If he fits anywhere, we'll take your calls on that very shortly. Heaps of other stuff to get to as well. But Tom Morris is about to jump on Trade Radio at 1 o'clock. And he's quickly to jump on here for tyre power. Think safety this month. Get the five-minute tyre safety check. Thanks to your local tyre power. Because Jay Gresham is joining Essendon with Secure Set to accept their free agency compensation, which, uh, as we thought, is at the end of the first round. But Tom, to tell us more about it. Welcome to you, Tom. Great to have you on. G'day, Dwayne. Good to be with you. Plenty happening today after a pretty quiet day yesterday from a trade perspective. So, Jake Gresham done, and uh, the Saints are happy? Saints are happy. They've got an end-of-first-round pick, which will end up being, I think, it's pick 21. It'll be pushed back. Um, so, that's a, a, a band two compensation. Um, and it's generated um, a similar outcome to what Brisbane's deal of Tom Dude generated. So, the Saints, if they'd got, um, you know, band three or band four, or band five, which is round three, um, they would have ended up um, probably pushing for a trade in the end. They've got themselves a pick in the early 20s, which will push back a couple more picks before the draft. And I'm certain that Freo will now ask for that for Liam Henry and we'll have to see whether it goes there as well for that. But it's been a protracted negotiation for sure. I mean, um, Essendon and St Kilda have been cooking up something for quite some time. Um, and in the end, um, within, the, within the, the realms of free agency rules and the guidelines dictated by the AFL, um, it's, uh, it's all worked out. Essendon gets Gresham on a deal they'll understand to be Around six fifty to seven hundred thousand dollars a year. Not sure the the length of it, um, but uh, yeah, that generated that uh, that pick that St Kilda wanted so badly. We're getting close to more and more player wages being known, aren't we? Given that the compensation structure is based around how much Jay Gresham's earning, so we kind of have it narrowed down for us because of the end of first round pick that the Saints are getting. Yeah, we are. It's a really good point, Dwayne. I mean, if you look at, uh, I always go back to Zach Williams' move from the Giants to Carlton. You know. The, it was no shock when, um, when because the club that the player leaves from has to know what the offer is from the club that he's going to. So Zach Williams goes to Carlton. The Giants get a look at what the offer is from the Blues. And it's no wonder um, when these sort of things leak out because the club that, uh, that they've departed is a bit disgruntled. It's happened several times. Um, and this is 
I'm not sure that the Saints are disgruntled about losing Jay Gresham, but we know roughly what the bands are. And there is other factors as well, such as the age of the player and the cohort. But you know a band two compensation pick isn't going to be $350,000 a year. You sort of know the ballpark. Mm. And my understanding is that, yeah, I think it could be as much as $700,000 a year for Jay Gresham. Um, and you can have your views over whether that's fair or not. But the reality is that $700,000 next year and the year after that is nowhere near what it's been the last few years. You know, it's, it's, there would be hundreds of players in a couple of years' time on $700,000 a year. Um, and the Essendon Footy Club have a lot of money to spend, so it makes sense they've spent it on a player that they feel is going to make them better and that, um, that has, a, has a big upside, and, and Gresham is that player for them. And what have your inquiries told you about whether Jack Gunston will go to Hawthorne or somewhere else? No, I think it's going to happen, Dwayne, unless there's a, there's a change of heart or some sort of um, you know, U-turn from... Um, from the Brisbane Lions or Gunston himself, but Gunston wants to get to the Hawks. Um, the Brisbane Lions are happy to facilitate it, which means, <laughs> you know, they're not going to stand in his way. They're not going to ask for some ridiculous selection. Um, it's just a matter of whether the Hawks can fit him in. And yeah, their priorities are um, D'Ambrosio and Marvio Chol, but it doesn't mean they can't walk and chew gum at the same time. I'm sure their list management team, with this sort of uh, time remaining before the trade deadline, can get it done. Um, and I don't think the Brisbane Lions are going to stand in their way. So I'd, you know, unless Melbourne or some other club come late and try to woo Jack Gunston with a flag, which I mean, it's not completely out of the realms of possibility. I think it's, um, I think, I think Jack Gunston will be at the Hawks next year. And um, it's been bubbling for quite some time that his name could be on the radar. And for uh, once Damien Barrett put it on the radar this morning, um, it's, it's, it's sort of accelerated even further. So I think that the lesson to this one, Dwayne, is that when the club that the player is leaving doesn't come out and say, no, he's staying, he's a contracted player, then in all likelihood they're going. And if he wants to get to the Hawks, he's only been in the Lions for a year. I can't see Brisbane or any, anyone else standing in his way. And before I let you go, should we be leading with our cricket failure last night? Is it the biggest story in the sport world in our country right now or does no one care about the 50-over format and because it's October, it's not going to, well, it's not going to lead now sports <laughs> reports um, sure. you know, my view is let's wait until we get knocked out and if we get knocked right. out of the group stage then you should lead it from 12 o'clock I still think maybe I'm biased because I'm in Melbourne and I'm part of a trade bubble but I still think trade period stuff is more interesting to the average punter than Australia losing a group game in India in a one day international against South Africa but Dwayne put it on the radar once we get if and when we get knocked out before the semi-final stage then you should lead it with your midday madness take your calls then and luckily that will be after the trade period all right, uh, it'll be well, it'll be early next week, maybe, um, or late next week, maybe. Tom, great to have you here on Trade Radio One to Three. If people want to flick over, they've got a lot more of Tom Morris, as you heard on Breakfast today. He'll be on from One to Three on Trade Radio. Thanks to Tire Power, Think Safety this month. Get the five-minute tire safety check at your local Tire Power. We'll talk soon, Tom. Thanks, Wayne. Chat soon. And great to have your company wherever you might be listening, whatever you want to talk about. If you want to talk about the cricket, we'll talk about the cricket. But the, the Gunston and Ford line that needs the most discussion is interesting to me as well. Just while before we leave the Gresham compensation and how much he's going to get from Essendon, etc., here is the Saints acting general manager of football, Dave Misson, on this show on Wednesday talking about the compensation the Saints were after. Dave's a you know, very high-level player. He kicked 20 goals for us this year. Um, you know, he's been a really established player at St Kilda and we're hoping to, to get, you know, an end of first round pick. Uh, that's what we'd be after there. And they got it, end of first round pick they get. So your calls, Joe in Roeville. Welcome to you, Joe, as we kick off Midday Matters with you. How are you, Dwayne? 
good. Uh, I'm a, um, Jack Gunston. I mean, I'm not overly keen on having him back, to be honest. This time last year, Hawthorne offered him a, a two-year deal, and he thought that wasn't enough, so he went to Brisbane to chase that extra one year, and they gave him a three-year deal. So what's to go now? What, he's going to come back to Hawthorne and get that two years that we originally offered him? I mean, I think he's done his time there, uh, Dwayne. Yeah, well, there's a couple here coming uh, through. You know, Gunston's cooked. Good for a rookie list spot. Maybe maybe he is only as a backup if he goes to Hawthorne. That's why I'm asking the question, would he be better off going somewhere else? Because he might not be part of Hawthorne's plans now. They've moved past him. That's... The, and I, I can see that, I can see that myself at Hawthorne. I mean, they, they, they're trying to reinvent something or invent something new, not go back to what they had. I think they're trying to work out what their forward line is for the next five years. Myself, so maybe Hawthorne's not the right play for Jack Gunston. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see him go to go somewhere else, you know, because like I said, Wayne. Out of all those players, I mean, I was pretty disappointed when he chose to leave because I, I really like Gunston. I reckon he was one of our best players for quite a long time. And yeah. uh, he was part of that big success that we had in that three-peat, you know. But to say that, you know, he wants to go chase an extra year and maybe chase some more success, I, don't, I just don't think now we should open the doors up for him again and say, you know what, you're just welcome back because I, I just don't agree with it. He wanted to leave. He wanted to leave for a reason, so... So that's just my yeah, opinion. Yeah, no, it's a, good, it's a good opinion. I think he's better off going to a club like, well, one here, North needs Gunston alongside Larky. You know, Carlton maybe could do with him, but, you know, maybe they couldn't do with him either. I mean, Carlton needs someone else, I reckon. Kerno, 81 goals. Next best, Mackay, 29, and Owies, 27. Um, and I, as I mentioned with Sammy Edmund, when you look at Brisbane's forward line, they kicked the most goals this year. Of, of any forward line in the comp, they were the ones that didn't need him. Danaher, 61 goals. Charlie Cameron, 59 goals. Eric Hibbert, 41 goals. Bailey, 29 goals. Lincoln McCarthy, 28 goals. They had as good a spread of goal kickers as any team in the comp. So they haven't, they don't need him. Um, I think Collingwood's fine. They've got, a pretty, they've got a great spread of goal kickers. When you look at their goal kicking spread, for a premiership team, they had the best spread of goal kickers in the comp when you go from their best goal kicker to their fifth or sixth best goal kicker. Their best goal kicker kicked less than 50. My check, 47. Elliot, 39. Hill, 33. Um, I don't think they need him. Um, Melbourne don't. Fritch, Pickett, Van Royen, Petrarca. I don't think Melbourne need him either, even though Melbourne need a, a big forward. I don't think they need a Gunston forward. Maybe it is. Um, well, it, I don't think it's... Or maybe it is North Melbourne. Your thoughts on it, if you've got a thought, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Con in Melbourne, you there, Con? Yeah, good day, Dwayne. Um, there, there is no way that Gunston would nominate Hawthorne without him actually having agreement that Hawthorne are taking back. Um, hmm. And besides, he's uh, number nineteen Guernsey wasn't actually allocated last year. Ah, so you think it's uh, it's an automatic? He will come back. He'll be on less pay. And he'll play whatever old Sam Mitchell wants him to play, which we don't know what it's going to yeah. be yet. But uh, it's all yeah, part that's, of that's, that's definite. It's a hundred percent. He he he's valued too much, and he's um, he, and they wouldn't sort of uh, let him embarrass himself by him saying, "I want to go back to Hawthorne," and then Hawthorne not take him. I mean, you know, he's a he's a three time Premiership player. Yeah, um, you, you just don't treat people like that. That's a really good logical point, Con. Got a signature boost power bank for you. 
Signet Boost Power Bank, valued at $44.95. A Signet Boost Power Bank will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered 24-7. And we've got a few of those to give away. Uh, Rick in rural Victoria. Welcome, Rick. You got a thought on Gunston? Yeah, g'day, mate. Um, I, I, just, I just think that uh, Jack and his management might be a little bit smarter than everyone else and it's just selling him, putting his name out there to get him, get him another contract elsewhere. Yeah, so where though? Is it is it north? Um, you know, it's it's not. Well, it's a Melbourne-based team. He doesn't fit into St Kilda, I don't think. I mean, the St Kilda's got a pretty good spread of goal kickers. If if Max King can fire next year and be injury-free, when you consider they've got a few different tall options, but they also had well, King kicked twenty-eight goals this year, but Higgins kicked thirty-six, Butler thirty-three, and Owens twenty-six. Owens has got a huge upside. Filippo has got a huge upside. They don't need Gunston, I don't think. Um, the Bulldogs, Norton, 44 goals. Jamara Ugalhagen, 35 goals. Waitman, 34 goals. I don't think they need Gunston either. Geelong, I don't think either. I mean, they're going to have Tom Hawkins. He'll sign today or tomorrow, you'd think. You know, Jeremy Cameron, Tom Hawkins, Ollie Henry. Ollie Henry kicked 41 goals last year, by the way. So he contributed pretty well, even though he didn't quite have the season a lot of people thought he could have had. And at the end, the old team that he left ended up winning the flag. And Stengel, 27 goals. So Geelong... Don't need him either. Um, yeah, it might be Carlton. Kuno, 81 goals. Mackay, 29. Owies, 27. That's their top three goal kickers last year. Carlton. Tim in Greensboro, you there, Tim? G'day, Dwayne. How are you, mate? Good. Good, mate. I uh, just wanted to talk on Gunston. Right, he went up to Brisbane for a year. Well, he had a three-year, two-year, three-year contract. He's gone up to Brisbane. He's had a year. He wasn't successful in the side because of the forward line. What do you think Brisbane deserve to get back from this pick if he goes missing? Like, if he goes walkabouts and goes somewhere else, what, what do you think Brisbane deserve to get back from uh, him walking out with uh, two years left on his contract? Well, I'm not sure what his contract is, but whether Hawthorne can actually pay the whole contract, Tim. He might end up going to Hawthorne for nothing if they can pay the whole contract. But he's got a two-year deal with Brisbane. So if Hawthorne are going to take it all on and open up space for Brisbane... Um, you know, I don't think Brisbane are going to be asking for that much back the way I see it. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Mm. Now, good to have you call, though, Tim. Craig in Brisbane, you there, Craig? G'day, Dwayne. Happy Friday to you. And, thank you and to you, Friday the 13th, by the way. Uh, happy Friday the 13th to everybody. Thank you. Uh, hopefully it's no one's uh, wedding anniversary. <laughs> good point. <laughs> um, just, just on the Gunston thing... Uh, I heard the, the, the caption you played earlier with Sam Mitchell and the desperation that sounded like in his voice to Keith Gunston. I mean, the question is, should Hawthorne have paid overs for him? Should they have offered him at that particular time needing the experience, needing the help in the forward line? Um, you know, is that a question that should, Sam, Newman should, uh, Sam Mitchell should have been asked? So you, you think that Hawthorne didn't want to pay overs for him last year, so let him go, and they shouldn't be paying overs for him to get him back? I'm trying to work out what your question is, Craig. Well, well, um, yes, they, they should. They, what you just said previously about just swapping Brisbane, uh, having come back to Hawthorne, but at that time in negotiations, Hawthorne, yeah. I think, should have paid overs for him. They should have given him what he wanted to keep such an experienced player in such an inexperienced forward line. Yeah, I think you're probably right in that hindsight. They wish they'd have kept Gunston, and Sam Mitchell did indicate that they wish they have. But now that they've had a year without him, do they want to go back to him? That's the issue 
right now, although a previous caller made a pretty good point, you wouldn't be nominating Hawthorne unless you thought that Hawthorne actually wanted you back. Otherwise, it would look a little funny, given how much um, you know have you have been a part of their premiership success. You deserve a bit more respect than that than naming Hawthorne and then having Hawthorne say, actually, we don't really need you or don't really want you. So maybe he is headed back there. Uh, Albert and Essendon, what can you, Albert? Hi, Pipe. Um, my two cents worth on the Jack Gunston thing. I can't understand why my club would go backwards. Um, everything they're doing is moving forward. We've got the youth, we've got the young forward line, we've got the game plan for young guys. I mean, Gunston kicked an average of one goal four this year. You'd expect more than that out of a guy who's not very versatile anymore. Like with Hawthorne, he played his last year and they tried him out in defence and he couldn't do that very well at all. He was way out of his depth. I'd be very surprised if Hawthorne went backwards. I mean, you've got Brandon Ryan, Luke Bruce, now we've got Chole and Lewis. Why would we need another forward? I, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. It's not resonating well with me. And I don't think that Hawthorne will actually take him. And if they do, it won't be to play. It'll be as a coach or maybe to bolster Box Hill, hopefully. But no, I don't, I don't agree with the guy coming down back to Hawthorne. He needs to go to another club, maybe um, maybe a, a, a Richmond. Yeah, Richmond, could they squeeze him in? That's the interesting part for I'm not sure Richmond would be squeezing him in either, but I'm not sure what the new coach thinks of the way forward structure should work. So that's the thing. Adam Uze is an unknown as far as what he wants as a coach, and it's a whole new ball game at Richmond. Maybe he would be part of that, but... Yeah, you make a good point on the coaching. In fact, there's one here on the text. Would the Jack Gunston move be part of the coaching role at, uh, as well as playing a few games? That's from Stephen. Maybe that could be the end game for Jack Gunston. If he goes back to Hawthorne, it might be a, a double whammy there for him. He can play some footy, but also be part of their coaching as well. Keep your text coming through. 0433981116 is the text machine number. 0433981116, the text for the all-new Temper, T-E-M-P-U-R. Temper Pro, Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Temper mattresses like no other. Keep a text coming through on Jack Gunston. I think Gunston realised how quickly this young Hawks group... I don't think Gunston realised how quickly this young Hawks group would bounce back after all the senior axings. He wants to be part of the growth and possible transition into an assistant coach. That Matt from... Jembrook, thanks for your text. Uh, Matt Pipe, we offered Jack the two years he was chasing last year, so he was actually in our plans for 2024. If we can get him back cheap in a transitional playing coaching role, I can't see an issue. Worst case is he doesn't get his body in or form right and only adds value as a forward mentor. That's from Chris. So if you want him back at Hawthorne, uh, North needs Gunston alongside Larky. Um, Bombers need Gunston, so there's a bit coming from other clubs as well. Carlton, big mistake getting rid of Fisher instead of Owies. We should have gotten rid of Owies before Dow and Fisher. So there's a few coming from other clubs' directions as to what should have been done with them this trade period as well. There's still another few days to come and as you probably heard earlier if you didn't hear, at least the Jay Gresham compensation has been sorted and the Saints will get an end of first round pick for him. Definitely want Gunston back 100%. He'll provide leadership for Charles and Lewis. We just love him, and it's a very young group. That's from Adam. Keep your text coming through. Uh, Hawthorne might be taking Gunston due to Kaczynski going to Richmond. Your thoughts? Um, and Norman Kalgoorlie, I think Fremantle should offer Gunston a one-year contract with the extension of one year going on, the availability and performance. Um, well, I'm not sure he'd want to move to WA, but um, there's quite a few coming through as well saying, well, Dwayne, you have not mentioned the Tigers. Dwayne, no forwards this year. Cheers, Tim. 
And uh, there's a few saying, well, one here, no to Gunston at Richmond. Tigers would have instead kept Rewalt as he provided greater output than Gunston last year. And you're probably right on that. If they were going to get Gunston, maybe they should have kept Rewalt. Back to your calls on it, and then we'll talk some other stuff as well. Graham and Willis Hill, you want to talk Gunston? Welcome to you, Graham. Hey, Dwayne, I love your show, mate. Um, Thank you. Look, a couple of things. We were led to believe that Gunston left um, for personal reasons after his father died, which is fine, and you can understand people need to refine themselves. But then there's obviously the go-home factor. And I think for players like um, Brandon Ryan and Mitch Lewis, Gunston will be a perfect on-field coach. He'll teach them running patterns. And he brings experience. He's played three premierships for us. I think it'll be a, a great coup for us to get him back. Yeah, if, he, if he's more comfortable being at home, we know that he had the family tragedy as well. So back at his old club, maybe all the all the right boxes are going to be ticked for him to be able to play one more year of really good footy. So it sounds like it's going to happen. It sounds like that they may have chatted about it. Sarah in North Fitzroy, welcome to you, Sarah. How you going, bud? Good. Um, you were talking about how many goals that uh, Brisbane kicked there, which is all great. But at the end of the day, if one of those goes down, it's all about depth. And I believe yep. that um, probably Fort or or little Kyle Oman there, but uh, as a player with experience, coming in would, would be a great asset for us as opposed to him leaving because he's been playing much. He's, been, I mean, he's had injuries and things like that. Mm. Uh, so and he's man enough to put up his hand to say he's not quite ready. But I reckon losing him could be detriment because you don't know what what injuries you're going to get next year. And for his, for his knowledge, uh, it would be a great asset for him to come back in the side. He certainly added selection pressure even when he wasn't in that team. And that's a big, I think, motivator for a lot of players as well. Knowing you've got a guy like Jack Gunston waiting in the wings to get a game if you don't get it right, especially with the finals coming. And experience in finals is key for a lot of uh, people as well. So, yeah, I think it did work in their favour having him, even though he wasn't there at the end. So a good point you make, Sarah. Jeremy and Melton, you there, Jeremy? Hey, Dwayne. How you doing? Good. Good. Um, I just want to talk about Jack Gunston. Uh, hopefully, I mean, he's had three premierships under Clarko. You'd hope that he'd be able to get him across the line. Would offer some real leadership and similar to what Shields has done for North Melbourne this year when he came across in that midfield um, senior position. Gunston doesn't have to play every game, but he's off-field, learning new running patterns about, you know, um, working out kind of where players go on the field, that kind of thing, would be a real asset. And getting another veteran into the club would only accelerate us further. Yeah, I agree with you on that, Jeremy. Does he want to play under Clarko again? Does he want to go back to that well? I'm not sure whether that's the case either. So, yeah, it's, it's, some guys love their old coaches, but some guys, once they've moved on and seen there's a wider world out there, might not necessarily want to go backwards in that regard and might want the fresh start under Sam Mitchell. But who knows? I think it'd fit well in North's forward line. I'm agreeing with you on that 100%, Jeremy. 100%. Luke on the Gold Coast, you there, Luke? Yeah, g'day, Dwayne. How are you going? Good. Hey, uh, didn't um, Ray Gunston have a uh, bit of an um, association with the Essendon Footy Club? I think he did, yes. Yeah, well, I think that'd be a really good way to, for him to finish off at his father's club and um, add a bit for the, the, the Bombers in the next couple of years. Yeah, so you think you'd fit him in? I mean, the Bombers are... An interesting case for me. I'm not quite sure about their forward line either. I've, I've, you know, hoped it'd been a couple of guys like, you know, Archie Perkins and 
and a few others that might kick on, but it hasn't quite worked just yet for the Bombers with a lot of those young guys. Maybe this is the big acceleration year where a few of those guys step up, but yeah, it could actually be worth thinking about if you're at Essendon. I wouldn't, but they might. Paul in Brunswick, you there, Paul? Wayne, um, Gunston came in to replace McStay, and I, I think the Lions, over the course of the year, made a philosophical shift to go with with two uh, tall forwards rather than three, because I, I think they saw that team defence from the forward line was a big issue for them. And I think that's... And, and it basically highlights, perhaps, Gunston's limitations at this end of his career. Obviously, has had a cracking career and a, and a great player, but maybe was just a yard off it. I reckon he would have kept his spot if he... If, um, if he was a bit younger and if we got him a few years ago. But I think that, that team defence, that ability to, to keep up, he just did, he just lost a yard or two. And I think that's a bit of a knock on him going forward. So, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it sounds like the Hawks will probably take him and, and put more for a development point of view. But if I was other clubs, I wouldn't be chasing too hard, personally. Appreciate your call, Paul. We need a break for news. After the news, if you want to keep talking guns, and that's fine. But I asked Tom, I'm happy to take your calls on anything in the water sport you'd like to discuss. But I've got Glenn in Tallamarine on the line. I must have talked the Aussies cricket last night. So we'll get to you after the news, Glenn. I did ask Tom Morris about half an hour ago whether the biggest story in the country is our failure last night. I mean, Australia is getting smashed at the 50-over World Cup, hammered by South Africa last night, beaten by India, uh, what, half a week ago. 134-run loss last night, one of our heaviest in 50 years in, in the history of 50 over cricket. So, started with two losses in this tournament. We asked it alive, by the way, to win it because of the tournament format, but we look cooked. Should this be the lead story of the day? The fact that we can't get it done and we were horrible last night, or do we not care because it's October and because it's the 50 over format which is now on the wane? Uh, is last night's failure, or our bowler's failure, to contain them and get wickets? Our fielding failed badly, seven drop catches, our batting our top order failed. Pat Cummins' captaincy isn't really going that well in the 50-over format. Is that the story that should be lead story today, or do we not care about the 50-over World Cup in October right now? They looked flat. They looked, looked. I'm not saying they are, or I know. I'm just saying to the eye, watching them last night, they looked a bit flat. Mm-hmm. Our fielding wasn't as sharp. Our, our movement off the ball wasn't as sharp. But Australian teams for years, throwing balls in over the bales, like... Josh Inglis was catching balls everywhere last night. Mm. We dropped catches or we didn't get hands to balls that Australian teams swallow if they're at their best. And I just thought last night we looked we looked a little bit flat. Our body language looked a bit off. We didn't get off to a great start and it just, it just snowballed on from there. Tim Payne, that was on SEN Tassie this morning. We looked flat. We looked flat at the end of the ashes and we're still flat. Uh, is it the biggest story? Should it be a bigger story than this or do we not care Right now, given it's October and it's only the 50-over format, which is on the wane. Glenn and Tal- I, the funny, the interesting part, what you got last night, it, you know that it's a weird state of affairs when the only time you get a smile on your face watching the first 30 overs is when a Port Adelaide fan and a Port Jumper is jumping up and down the grandstand doing dances. Uh, that was the only time I really cracked a smile last night about the first two hours I watched. Glenn and Tal- Marine, you've been holding for a while to talk about this. Welcome to you, Glenn. Yeah, good afternoon. I think last night they played three all-rounders. There's only three players in the team that average over 40 in state cricket. They've got an opening batsman who's an all-rounder who averages only 33 in state cricket. I mean, for me, I think it's a massive problem that we're not, 
there's all these batsmen here who haven't been even picked in the squad who average over 40, and we're, we're, they seem to be obsessed with all-rounders. There's five all-rounders in the squad. Um, we've got so which specialist very... batsman? We need to bring in another specialist batter or two then, Glenn. I'm with you on that. Who is it? Uh, I think Bancroft, definitely. Travis Head, definitely. Um, Usman Kawaja. Those three would are, are clearly better bat- batsmen than what um, Mitch Marsh is. If you have a look at the t- last 10 years of form, each one of those guys is a better batsman than Mitch Marsh. The problem is that Mitch Marsh looks amazing. He's technically perfect. Um, he hits a huge six, which is why he's in the team. I, I think if you look at the movie Moneyball, that's what this guy, the guy, it's, it's a true story. The guy talked about if there's certain players that if you watch them, you'll pick them. But if you look at their stats, there's no way known you could look at Mitch Marsh's stats and say he's one of the best batsmen in Australia. There's at least probably 15 batsmen who have better stat, batting stats than what Mitch Marsh does. The problem is he looks better batting than what they do. He's a, he looks better. He hits a bigger six than um, Bancroft and Kawaja. Um, and there's, honestly, there's 15 batsmen who are better than Mitch Marsh. Um, and like last night, there's two all-rounders, and they bowled one bowled one over and one bowled two overs. Surely we, we should back in our four world-class bowlers to get the job done. And it's only a year ago, remember, that we, we absolutely annihilated South Africa in a test series with those four bowl, with three of those four bowlers. So why, why we need to have Sto- be relying on Stoinis and Mitch Marsh to take wickets, um, Abbott's in the squad, to me is an absolute mystery. Well, Travis had to be in there if he was fit, so he would be there. But uh, I'm agreeing with you on the batting side of things. Baz and Coburg, you there, Baz? Yeah, hey, Dwayne, how you doing? But um, I'm on the cricket bandwagon of uh, the previous caller. Bancroft's got to come into the side. And, uh, you know, I've I watched most of the games on the uh, on the mini, but the Australian one I, I tune in for. I, I guess where I'm at is watching Inglis drop that catch. I think he dropped Boomer uh, last night and then started laughing about it afterwards. And I thought, you know, these guys aren't even taking it seriously. Who laughs after dropping a catch in an integral part of their... Uh, uh, the, the the game where these guys are set, you need to take that wicket and not laugh about it. Jeez. Yeah, I'm with you on that, although there's a bit of Collingwood Maynard theory in laughing about your mistake that uh, can actually help, but I'm not sure it helps when you're playing cricket for your country as it does with a footy team like Collingwood. Uh, Glennis and Eltham, you there, Glennis? G'day, Dwayne. I know you well. Yep, I'm talking about the cricket. <laughs> Very disappointing. I love my cricket, but I don't really know where the team's going at the moment. We, we're reactive. I mean, at one stage, the batsmen were bashing the ball over our infield, so we'd put players on the boundary. Then our bowlers would bowl wide because they'd brought the fine leg and up. And, and I just don't know. And, I mean, coming, I, why have we got, as the other Glenn said a couple of minutes ago, why have we got two all-rounders? We need to get rid of one of our fast bowlers and make these bowl, these all-rounders bowl. I, I really don't know. Our catching was deplorable. Our fielding was sloppy. So, yeah, it's, it's frustrating watching them, to be honest. Yeah, well, they've got to get the, the coach and the selection. Guys have got to get, and girls have got to get themselves sorted out. I mean, there's a few coming through on the, whether if Justin Langer was still there. Uh, it's because the players only have to train when they want. Players complain when Langer made them train. Standards are dropping. Mark, well... You know, maybe they are, they are running their own show a bit too much. But I'm not in there to know what the issue is. But it does sound like we're going, we're kind of halfway between with this whole playing of two or three all-rounders. 
scenario rather than playing specialists in specialist positions. Grab out your calls and your texts for Midday Matters for work, locker, Karen Downs and packing on work for wherever you work. A uh, couple of texts first. Gone one tournament too far. Time for a rebuild. Another here. I think Andrew McDonald's takeover is starting to show its effects. That was a player-driven revolt. How many bad performances? Uh, quite a few texts coming through on this. I could read 100. G'day, Dwayne. Ari, the Aussies. Maybe we're seeing the results of the tail wagging the dog, regardless of the stories. JL had us humming. Disciplined and sharp. Cheers, B. Uh, the cricket team is just continuing from its deplorable end of the Ashes series. No surprise. Sport millionaires. Another here. The Aussie squad is a joke. Playing in India, you need spinners. Um, keep your text coming. 0433981116. Quite a few coming for Andrew McDonald as the coach. And maybe selection is part of it. Maybe coaching is part of it. But we know in cricket, uh, these guys coach themselves. They're very experienced guys. Brendan in Maribyrn. I'm looking at you, Brendan. Hey, Dwayne. I was listening to Michael Clark this morning on Sydney Radio Sports Station and he was just confused about the, the, the um, Alex Carey situation that he got picked in the one-day squad, plays the first game, Dwayne, and then gets dropped after one loss. Then they bring in Inglis and then they have a loss again last night. Well, what do they do now? They drop Inglis and bring Carey back in. He was just really dumbfounded by the decision to drop him after one game. What's your thoughts? Yeah, well, one match into a long-term plan about the World Cup, you're spot on. It's a strange move. I was on air yesterday, and I was talking about who was going to be in and out of the team. And, look, I'll be honest here. So I'll just tell you the truth straight up, which I didn't want to say yesterday. But I was looking at the sports bet um, list of players who were in the betting for the most runs in the game. And I saw that Josh Inglis was on the list. And I thought, is Josh Inglis playing? Is he actually in? And I was confused. Now, I didn't actually say that because I didn't want to do the whole gambling disclaimer. You know, I'm on a website looking at the odds to try and work out who was what our batting lineup was going to look like. And by the way, uh, gamble responsibly and remember what you're gambling with and all that stuff now that I've mentioned sports bet. But I was surprised. Everyone else didn't know it was happening, but it seemed like those that were in control of some of the betting uh, websites might have had an inclination that there was about to be a change. I'm not sure if that's the case or not, but... Look, to answer your question, let me go to someone higher than me. Tim Payne, shocked. Alex Carey was left out. Here's Tim Payne on SEN Tassie this morning. But last night when I turned on the telly, I was shocked that he'd been dropped. And I, and I said he, he would eventually come under pressure with Inglis in the background, no doubt. But my, my, my issue with it is we're one game into a World Cup. Now, a World Cup would have been planned for for over a year, how we want to play, what our setup of our team looks like. And for that to change in one game, I found... It, it, I was shocked. Fascinating, isn't it? It is You're fascinating because right. I just don't understand if they didn't think he was the man or they thought he was that close to being dropped, then why go with him in the first game? Tim Payne from earlier today on SEN Tassie. Uh, a couple, a lot of texts coming through. Not only do we not care, Dwayne, the team doesn't care either. Um, they play like millionaires and dispute decisions when they're clearly out. That's from Ian. Um, there's an amazing amount of text coming through on this pipe. I care very much about any Australian team. The failure was inevitable once the tail started wagging the dog. Brett as well. Uh, another here. This should be a massive story. Another here. Let's stop beating around the bush. Stark, Hazelwood and Cummins are not one-day international bowlers. Labashain isn't a one-day international batsman. Uh, Warner's finished. Uh, why bring in Stoinis to bat seven? 
Uh, if you're bowling in for two or three overs, there's so many coming through. Lionel in Lilydale, thanks for holding. Lionel, welcome to you. Yeah, g'day, Dwayne. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Thanks for jumping on. That's OK. Um, on this uh, Australian cricket team, I watched a bit of the match last night, and it was it just didn't seem to be a plan. Tim Payne talked about the plan and the grab you had, and it didn't seem to be a plan, a build-up or anything. It also seemed like they selected their test team with a couple of switches here and there. The majority of the side made up of their test team, which goes to question, what's the depth in one-day cricketers in our country at the moment? There are some beauties left behind. Kawaja, in short form, is fantastic. And Bancroft the same. Yeah, they don't seem to get a game, and then all of a sudden they've been out so long, then they're sort of out for so long. And we played these warm-up games, and a lot of the guys in the warm-up games were out of form as well. Alex Carey was out of form in the whole lead-up. Great to have your call as well. Thanks for jumping on for the first time. Hold the line. You've got an e-gift card, redeemable online or in-store. Thanks to the House of Golf, your one-stop shop for all things golf. Always love a first-time caller. Mick in Kings Park. You there, Mick? G'day, Dwayne. Um, problem with our cricket team, pardon the French, I've got no balls, no Dwayne. You know, if that was a ponting, a wall... A Taylor, a Clark in, in years gone by in the World Cup and we played that bad in the first game and got trounced, their performance would go up tenfold. They, they, there's just no belief in, in, their, in the one-day side anymore. And I just, mate, I don't know if they're for the looks or, you know, whatever, but yeah, there's just wrong decisions being made over and over. Great to have you call, Mick. Uh, well, quite a few coming through on the text. Rather watch paint dry than watch cricket right now. Another one here. Need to remember, Australia had eight warm-up games before the World Cup. Uh, Kerry didn't score any runs. Uh, Dwayne, I'll be supporting the Windies in Brisbane at the day-night test in January. Un-Australian, I know, but I've had enough. Time to start playing some younger, hungrier cricketers. Uh, thanks for that, Shane. Dwayne, I couldn't get over seeing Aussie players laughing after dropping catches. Never in JL's day. Would that have happened? That's from Marlene. Thanks for your text, Marlene. Another here, JL must be laughing his head off watching these sport muppets. Um, keep your text coming through. I'll read a few more. 0433981116. Hey, Dwayne, maybe our cricket side is just not that good anymore. Look at the Wallabies, for an example. And another here, Dwayne, oh, it's pretty simple. Catches win matches, dropping that many. You don't deserve to win. Maybe time to talk about the winners. The Diamonds doing what they know. They were fantastic last night. I flicked. And boy, the jack jumpers were good last night. At least we had a smorgasbord of sport to watch. Always great to have you company for Dwayne Todd. Dwayne Todd for Kangan Institute. Unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. Another massive hour of Midday Madness. So you call, you get on. That's the Midday Madness promise all the way up until 2 o'clock. Campbell Brown's going to join us. Give us some tips for the weekend racing after 2 o'clock. And your calls all the way to 2 and your texts all the way to 2. And if there are any trade updates, we'll bring you those for tyre power. We're talking cricket at the moment, and we don't have a full board, so if you want to jump on, one 736 736 Janine, Gary, who else we got on the line? Uh, Imran as well. We'll come to you all. It is Midday Madness, and I love taking your calls on all things sport, but 134-run loss, one of our heaviest in one-day international history. We're getting smashed at this 50-over World Cup, and normally in World Cups, we fire up. Regardless of what we do in various hit and giggles, and tournaments we play around the world. When it comes to World Cups, we normally put our head down, but uh, we're getting smashed in this one. Janine, in Narrow Warren, as we head back to your calls, welcome to you, Janine. Good day there, Dwayne. Yeah, look, I'm I'm not one to kind of jump off the, the 
the, the Aussies bandwagon just yet. We're two games in, but I do question the amount of talent that has been left at home. Um, just let me rattle off a few names. Tim David, Spencer Johnson, Ben McDermott, Matt Short, Lance Morris, Aaron Hardy, Nathan Ellis. And that's just to name a few. You know, we've got surely we've got to come to the stage where we we try some of this new blood. We we try them in, in the as you call it, the hit and giggle tournament. Yeah. Um but we won't give them the go in a serious tournament like a World Cup. And my husband noted the other night, just watching the England team, I know their first game was a, an absolute disaster, but maybe counted three, maybe four tops that actually played test cricket. The rest are white ball specialists, and we've got plenty of them in Australia. Oh. I just don't know why we don't use them. You're spot on, Janine. I'm a bit of a Tim David fan, so maybe I'm a bit biased in that regard. We've all got our favourites that we'd like in there, but uh, it seems like we've got three or four or five different guys who different people are saying bring in, and you've named four or five yourself. Great to have you called, Janine. Good way to kick off the next hour of Midday Madness. Gary in North Queensland, your thoughts on this? Welcome to you, Gary. G'day, Dwayne. Mate, uh, I'm a firm believer when you've got weak leaders, you're going to have a weak team. It was only a matter of time before this was going to happen. So you're talking coach, you're talking captain, because, I mean, Pat Cummins, I think, is a really good captain. I like Pat Cummins as a captain. I think weak is an unfair term for either him or or Andrew McDonald. But in terms of, if you want to draw the analogy, the strength of coach that we had under Justin Langer was as iron-fisted as we've had for quite a while. So if you want to call it a stronger leadership, then let's just call it that, if you don't mind. Okay, well, we'll call it that. That's okay. I can live with that. But uh, it's a, a matter of time before these things happen if you don't stay strong. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that. I liked Justin Langer's strong style of leadership, but I liked Justin Langer. Obviously, there was a few in the cricket team that didn't really like the way Justin Langer went about it and wanted to change. Quite a few texts coming through. Dwayne, sometimes the Australian cricket public are in denial as to just how hard it is to maintain success. They don't stop to reflect on great performances against them. De Koch was outstanding and actually unlucky to get out in the end. And, yeah, quite a bit in that lengthy text from Ash that makes a bit of sense. So thanks for that. Hey, Dwayne. Uh, Ricky Ponting should be coaching the World Cup team. End of discussion. Dennis in Kularu. Dennis, he's not going to take the pay cut. He's earning so much in the media and doing such a good job and he is in such demand. And when he turns off the microphone, the pressure is off. I don't think he's going to be coaching Australia's team in quite a while, given how much Ricky Ponty's going to earn in the commentary world for the next couple of decades. Hey, Dwayne, Nathan from Hobart. The Aussies just look off. Not sure if it has anything to do with talent or desire. Probably all just cooked from the ashes and the series in India and South Africa. Another one here. The public screamed for the cricketers to behave nice, and now they are reaping what they sow. Hey, um, I'll keep your text coming through. I'll get back to your text. got a couple of calls Still coming through on it, so I better get back to you. Cause in fact, Imran in Coburg has wanted to talk AFL umpiring for about half an hour, so I better get to you, Imran. Welcome to you. Yeah, hi, Dwayne. Yes, yeah, so it was a bit of a change of topics, um, but I just want to talk about you know obviously you know the AFL you know it's, it's obviously entertainment business. You know we can all agree on that, and you know whenever a team you know is up four or five goals, you always see you know a ruck infringement free kick or a a centre bouncer free kick. I think I've just lost you there, Imran. I know where you're probably headed. We're told they never do them on purpose. 
the ruck infringements. That's what we're told. Um, and maybe they don't do them on purpose, but sometimes it does look as if it might have been done deliberately. Uh, jump back on the line. We'll get you back on. Apologies for that. Mark in Adelaide wants to talk the draft. Welcome to you, Mark. Hey, Mark, are you there? You're out there with the birds? Having a wander in the garden? Hello. Sounds like a nice part of the world you're in, Mark. Welcome to you. You've got the birds outside? Hello. Look, hello. Yeah. How you doing? It's Marty, not Mark. Oh, Marty. How are you? Marty, sorry I got the name wrong. So Very my fault, well. not now, yours. Look, uh, Wayne. Uh, Dwayne, sorry. Yep. Um, I'm in Black Forest, Adelaide. I think that Glenelg should be poached in the AFL draft. Lockie Hosey, Luke Reynolds, Liam McBeam, uh, Luke Pullington's going overseas on a holiday. They won the Premiership decisively, and they're an open gate to all AFL clubs. So Lockie Hosey was with North Melbourne, wasn't he, Mark? I think I played with his dad, to be honest, at Port. I think he might have been my captain in under-19s. So, yeah, he was with North Melbourne, so he might get another chance. He was best on ground in the grand final win. Sorry, he won the Ken Farmer and the Jack Odie medal. Yeah, and the Jack Odie medal is for best on ground. Yeah, good call, Mark. I reckon there will be a team look at Lockie Hosey again. But again, I'm biased because I know his dad, maybe. Imran and Coburg, you there, Imran? You back? Yeah, Dwayne, you there? Yeah, got you back. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, every t- whenever a team's up four or five goals, you know, there's always a ruck infringement free kick or a centre bounce free kick. You know, because obviously, you know, I feel like the AFL needs to keep it close, you know, to, to keep the viewers watching the game. When do you think, you know, the AFL is, you know, going to stop using, you know, the umpires, you know, in, in impacting the game so much and, and lead it like back in the old days, you know, 20, 30 years ago where it was, where it was just, you know, purely based on the better team and, and not having the umpires slowly adjust and change the momentum of the game? <laughs> hey, man, I can't agree with you. I don't think the umpires are adjusting the momentum of the game. Uh, if you want to talk ruck infringement free kicks, it is ruck lotto sometimes. I know they pull out some wild ones, but there is a definitive factor in ruck infringement free kicks, and that is if you take your eye off the ball and look at the guy coming at you and then you put out a hand or you throw out your knee to try and fend him away, then you've taken your eye off the ball and you're deemed to be going at the man and not the ball. Now, when the umpire bounces the ball on your head and you know there's a big 120-kilo ruckman coming at you, you know you've got to protect yourself. Sometimes you do have to take your eye off the ball, which is right above your head, and he's got a five-step run-up at you. No wonder you're going to put your arm out or your knee out and try and protect yourself. I think if we get rid of the bounce, it's going to help the umpires not have to pay those silly free kicks so often because I think sometimes you do have a need and I think we've got to understand you should be protecting yourself in that situation when the ball's been bounced on your head. It is ruck lotto a few times, Imran, but the umpires are not doing it to sway things or balance things up. Frank in Monterney, are you there, Frank? Yeah, do I know? I'll give you a quick one. Look, I'm just a bit um, mystified with the criteria of the Australian selectors uh, when they pick these sides because... They're not picking the sides on uh, performance. They're picking them on reputation, and that really concerns me. You know, they've got their favourites, and they're not picking people that are, who are in form. And that's what I kind of... I thought we got away from that, but it looks like they're going back into the same scenario, a bit like uh, coaches, you know, like teachers, pets. We've got the coaches' favourites, you know what I mean? It, it, to me, it, it's the whole thing's wrong, the way they're doing it. They select the side. 
Yeah, well, it's hard, Frank, because it seems like they went with the favourites and all the guys that they knew and knew well and were part of the test team, the majority of them, in game one. And yet, then they went and dumped Alex Carey for game two. So they made the change and they're criticised for making such a quick change as opposed to sticking with the guys they initially thought were going to be this squad's main 11 for the whole tournament. So I suppose when you're losing, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. The fact that you're losing... Winning justifies almost everything. Mike in Dunawad, are you there, Mike? G'day, Dwayne. How's it going today? Yeah, good. Good, mate. Just wanted to let you know I'm doing a bit of a walk today with my footy club. Who's your footy club? We're, uh, well, we're, we're doing it to raise funds for uh, the Black Dog Institute, and um, we're walking from the Melbourne CBD back to our local club in Lilydale. That's a fair walk. It's uh, nearly 40 k's. And the cracker is we're a, we're a Masters team, so we're blokes over 50. And we're just having a, having a bit of a dig to try and uh, raise some funds for the Black Dog Institute. So doing your best for mental health, uh, Mike, to try and help in your areas that for the Lilydale area mainly, you've, you're trying to help out or just as an overall cause? Well, it's first of all about awareness. So we run yep. a bit of a program ourselves called Reach Out um, Blokes or Project Rob. Um, and, it's a, and if you want to check us out on Facebook, we're there. But it's about also supporting mental health programs that uh, are run by the Black Dog Institute Research and uh, a whole lot of support services. Appreciate your call, Mike. And if there is anybody out there that thinks they need help, you can get help in many different ways. There are a lot of great companies that you can jump onto where there are groups that you can get together with, have a walk, get some friends together. Uh, make sure you talk to your doctor, make sure you talk to your friends and uh, make sure if you if you have someone in your life that needs a bit of help, uh, ask them if they're okay and try and facilitate some help for them. Great call, Mike. Really appreciate you jumping on and bringing that awareness of your walk to us. Not much needs to be said tonight. I think everyone's hurting. Um, so we've got a few days. The next game's here as well. So we'll group and um, regroup and, yeah, everyone's hurting. So we'll try and make amends. No, I wouldn't say it's one thing. Um, yeah, again... Um, you know, maybe they got a few more than we would have liked and um, obviously 177's off the mark as well. So, um, yeah, there's a few things we need to tidy up. Pat Cummins after last night's loss. What happened last night? We're still in it. And one here on the text, this World Cup has started the same as the T20 World Cup. We won. Chill out, bro. Um, and uh, there's quite a few coming through saying that we should still have faith. Stephen O'Keefe's been good enough to join us, former Australian spinner and SEN commentator. Thanks to Tool Kit Depot. Everything you need under one roof. Tools, equipment, safety gear and workwear in-store and online. Stephen joins us. Welcome to you, Stephen. Great to have you on. Thanks for your time. Thank you for having me, Dwayne. Yes, uh, it's, I mean, I watched the start of the Aussie innings last night and uh, turned, the, turned the TV off at 6 to 70. Uh, not the ideal start for the Aussies. Um, but in this tournament, you know, we've got to get up to fourth. We could probably ill afford another loss. Um, but my biggest concern is just watching the way they're going about their cricket. Very, very uncharacteristic at the moment with a lot of drop chances and just not executing as well as they would have liked, which tells me the side's not as connected as they should be, not as dialed in. And this is a World Cup. So not panic stations yet, but um, hopefully they can turn it around. So do they have debriefs where they sit in front of the coach and he goes on the whiteboard and... Well, if they do, tell us what might have been in the debrief. And if they don't, tell us what would be on the whiteboard in the first four <laughs> or five columns of things they need to address. 
I like how you said there'd be four or five columns um, and it'd be a bloody big whiteboard at the moment, wouldn't it? Um, I mean, you know, going back and looking at the game and trying to be forensic, you're trying to look for silver linings in the, in the Australian side over the last couple of performances and even leading back to South Africa where they, they didn't end the series well. They're all be, they've made a few changes. Um, but, you know, you look at the scorecard, South Africa getting away to a flyer. You know, they were two for 158. They, they led up front with their batters. Now, our quicks in this game struggled to find or create some chances with the new ball. And on the flip side, you know, our batting group just was really under pressure. And look, South Africa had the, bet, the, better, of the, the better of the conditions. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and they learnt off how Australia bowled in that back end of the last 10 overs. You know, they, they really tied Davey Warner up with changes of pace, particularly Lungi and Gidi, um, and brought about wickets. So, look, you know, the conditions over there can, can really change and dictate the game. The, the ball that got Josh Inglis, I mean, that ball moves more than it did all game. But you have to be the quality of those bowls to be able to hit the top of off and get the ball swinging. How does Australia go about changing or improving going forward? Well, you know, you'd be having a, a freshen up, I think, is what the Aussies need. They look a bit tired. They look a bit flat. Maybe a day or two to, to switch off and then go hard into some fielding and just going back to some basics. Um, they're going to get the, they're going to get a repeat match on, on the same ground or same conditions. And I, I hope they've learnt... Um, in how to play there. You know, I was, I was critical that Australia didn't have a second spinner, but I think Glenn Maxwell has done a really good job in both the opening games. Picked up two big wickets in Bavuma and Quinton de Kock. Um, you know, and Adam Zampa, who will have to assess how he's bowling, looks at times a little bit full, um, you know, getting getting hurt uh, down the ground and through cover, which is unlike him. He usually bowls an impeccable length. It's always challenging the knee roll. Um, you know, so there's there's so much improvement there for the Aussies. We're so far from our best, um, but we're looking at, you know, top four. You get into finals over there, that's all that really matters. You know, the, the next sort of run home that we have is Pakistan and Sri Lanka, both playing reasonable cricket. Sri Lanka hasn't won a game yet, but they've you know, posted scores of 351 against Pakistan, and Pakistan's playing good cricket themselves. So it, 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 they've had a tough start. The Aussies, two really, really good teams in good form, uh, and they're going to be up against it again at Sri Lanka and Pakistan over the next couple of weeks. So you're saying the first mistake we made was not reading the conditions well enough because we did send them in. Yep. Yeah, so the, so the square there had been relayed. It, it is a ground that a couple of the Aussies know. Well, they should know. They play IPL cricket over there. Um, we sent them in, and, yeah, I think in hindsight you'd want that toss back as... Pat Cummins, because the ball certainly moves. And even listening to some comments from the South African quicks, Kigisa Rabada, you know, was saying that, you know, the ball certainly did move around under lights. And with a bit of dew on the wicket, generally you think that might speed the wicket up and make it a little bit easier for batting. It certainly did when Australia played India. Um, as that game wore on, it didn't deteriorate um, how it looked. It might have. It's, it certainly skipped on a bit. And I think in this situation, and we don't want to make excuses, but there are reasons. Um, you know, the ball, I think, did nip around a little bit more. You combine that with a couple of decisions that, you know, were questionable. You know, the stoyness glove down the leg side. I think looking at that on repeat, you know, Richard Kettleborough very rarely makes mistakes like that, sitting in his third umpire. And the Steve Smith one, I was look, I'm still looking at that, working out how Hawkeye had that hitting leg. But, um, you know, they're, they're only small uh, situational things that happen in the game. The big bowling blocks for Australia are, you know, executing their fielding. Um, you know, they're, they're completing over the last 12 months at 66% of catches, which is outside the top 10. And when we think of great Australian sides, you know, they're a team that creates chances out of nothing. And those half chances, more often than not, they're taking. And, and in this situation, we're not. Um, and it just makes the unit 
as a whole look a bit tired and on the back foot. And that's not what we, you know, associate with great Australian teams. So there's some areas that we need to pick back. Um, and look, yeah, as you said, with the conditions, we've got, we've got another game on these same wicket. And I think if, if it does look the same, the Australians will be looking to, to, to bat first as opposed to bowl. So it's hard as an outsider and even a non-cricketing outsider like me to look at it and make assessment. But I kind of presume sometimes if we drop so many catches that it's a, it is a tiredness or a fatigue or a, a fatigue and concentration thing. Is there, do we read too much into a, what, seven drop catches last night? Or does, is that an indicator of where they're mentally at? Oh, look, I mean, you're always you're always looking for clues, aren't you? And you yeah. know, when a team's doing well, success will leave clues, and when they're not doing so well, I look at fielding as the yardstick of how connected and switched on a team is. You know, if you're taking good catches, it means that all 11 players out there are in that moment ready for that opportunity that comes. And when you're just missing a couple, um, you know, you very rarely see Mitchell Stark drop catches. He held onto it, his elbows hit the ground. The next ball, it's Stoinis at cover. Um, and then the next ball goes for six. And there are only little moments in the game because this is in the 49th over. But the ball after went for six after the after the Stoinis one. And it, it sort of just rubs it in and shows that South Africa are really uh, willing to pre- prepare themselves to take these opportunities when they come and then capitalise. And the Australians look a bit on the back foot. You know, we're always looking for clues in, in, in this side about how they're feeling, how they're shaping up. It's hot, it's foreign. Um, but this is where we expect Aussies to dig in, you know, and step up and step forward into the contest. And... We just looked, just don't look as connected as what we normally do. Could we put that down to a bit of fatigue, potentially? But I don't think the Aussie public want to hear in a World Cup mm. that we're tired. That's, that's certainly no excuse. Um, so I think a freshen up is needed, you know, a day or two just to get away from it. Um, and I have no doubt at all that, you know, we will see a very much changed and improved Aussie side going forward. Yes, they might have to win six of their next seven to get into that top four. But I'll look at that group and I, I, I know that that is a group that will be hurting from this uh, performance or start to the tournament. And I know this will be a team who will want to make a point and prove themselves. Um, you know, they've got good depth in batting and bowling. Cameron Green missed out. Um, Alex Carey was unlucky to miss out. I thought he offers a point of difference at wicket-keeping. But that gives opportunities to guy like, guys like Josh Inglis who I think are in a reasonable form and ready for this World Cup. So... Uh, I think look out Sri Lanka in this next match because the Aussies will want to make a big, big statement and I, I think this is the time to hit the go button. Are there any specialist 50-over batters that we missed a trick by not putting them in, do you think, Stephen? Mm, I, I don't think so. I think what they've got... To, I mean, we saw the form of Marnus Lubbershane. He, you know, he, he did an exceptional job over in South Africa and earned his place. I, I think missing Travis... Travis Head is a big piece for us. He's been... I mean, in regards to being a complete cricketer, his last 12 months across tests, one day T20s has been nothing short of brilliant. And then the success we've had generally comes off the back of him starting well in India. You know, you know in India that you really need to put that new ball away. You know, you need to get off to a flyer. You need to rotate strike and not lose wickets against spinners in the middle overs. And the depth, you just need to finish off. The runs will come generally easy when the ball softens up. Um, but we're missing that trick at the start of the innings. Um, with Travis Head. So I think they've got the right group. When Steve Smith and Marnus Lubbershane are struggling at spin like they've done, I think they're probably our two best players of spin. And when they're struggling, that tells me the conditions are tough. Um, but again, you know, in these situations, we need guys who are our best players of spin, Steve Smith and Marnus Lubbershane, not noted for going, hitting big boundaries, but being able to turn over the strike and hit sweepers. And they're doing a great job, the opposition teams, in, in doing their homework. Marnus Lubbershane 
you know, scored 46, but it was off 74 balls. When you're chasing 300, and I know your back's up against it, it's just not quite quick enough. Um, so some starts from the Aussie batters. I think they've got the group to do it. I, I think, you know, they've been disappointed, but, you know, they've got the power at the end with Stoinis. Uh, Mitch Marsh, we yet to see five, has had a great summer. So if the team is there, it just needs to, it just needs to turn it on. And an extra spinner? Is our depth of spinner oh. not deep enough that we would, we're prepared to drop a quick? Yeah, I, look, I, I've been uh, I've been waxing lyrical about this one. I, mm. I, yeah, you look at, you know, I said earlier, success leaves, leaves clues. You look at India, they played three frontline spinners against us, Kuldeep Yadav, Ashwin and Jadeja. I'd love to see, and this may be a little bit biased, but a left-arm finger spinner in Koonerman. We lost Agar and we, we, you know, we chose to essentially switch him out for, you know, Marnus Lubbershane to come into the squad. I, I really think that that's I desperately needs it. We don't have it, um, but I think in conditions over there, that, that you'll need spinners um, and finger spinners, in my opinion, who can really challenge the forward defence, be accurate. Uh, and we're seeing Mitchell Sandner, five, uh, Shaky Balasan has had success, uh, and Ravindra Dadeja. These, these are clues from successful teams that are doing really, really well. You know, we're just missing that. Um, albeit, you know, Glenn Maxwell's done a great job, very tidy against India. You know, picked up two big wickets. Um, and it's very rarely that you see Adam Zamba have back-to-back games where he hasn't had an impact on the outcome of the game. Um, so if they can get them to working together and bowling well, that'll go a long way into helping the Aussies. Because like I said, in India, over 10 to 40, the battle between bat and ball is about how many wickets your spinners can pick up versus how how good the strike rate is of the opposition batters. And, and at the moment, we're not winning that, that arm wrestle. Uh, and that's allowing teams at the back end to really exploit our quicks because they've got two set players with wickets in the sheds. Stephen, great to have your understanding of it and be able to pick your brain. I really appreciate you giving us some time. We'll talk soon. No problem at all. Thanks. Go the Aussies. Stephen O'Keefe, former Australian spinner, SEN commentator, joining us. Thanks to Toolkit Depot. Everything you need under one roof. Tools, equipment, safety gear and workwear in-store or online. A couple of texts on the way to a quick break for news and then back with your calls for more Midday Madness. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. that open line number. If you'd like to jump on anything in the world of sport you'd like to discuss, we'll get you on all the way up until the 2 o'clock news. Um, Dwayne, uh, Ponting will end up uh, with an itch that he needs to scratch uh, and will end up as a coach. What a uh, Cricket Australia should and would be uh, crazy not to get him. He's the only commentator that I don't mute. That's from Alan. Um, the money's too big as a commentator these days for him to jump to coaching, I think. Um, and there's less pressure as a commentator when you turn your mic off, you knock off. And uh, I think he's going to be a commentator for a long time. But um, maybe he's, because he's got an itch to scratch, he might take the pay cut. We'll have to wait and see. Um, appreciate that you don't read our texts that disagree with your opinion. That's from Wayne. I, I do quite often, but here's one. However, Cummins is the worst captain since Kim Hughes, Wayne in Hawthorne East. Uh, the texts that I don't read are ones that are derogatory to people personally. And they're the ones that I tend not to read. If you're having a go at Pat Cummins about the person he is, etc., well, that's one thing. But having a go at the way he captains, that's fine. If you're drawing that analogy that he hasn't been able to captain as well, that's fine. Happy to read those out. Um, and happy to read any text out when it comes to things that I disagree with. It just depends on some of the wording that's thrown in there. Boy, I got some abusive texts yesterday, but that's okay as well. Um, if North... Pick Curtin and Dersma. They'll be miles ahead of the West Coast 
with Reed. I want to talk about the Harley Reed scenario. A trade update for tyre power. power. Think safety this month. Get the five minute tyre safety check at your local tyre power. I'm told the Jack Gunston development has floored Brisbane, that they didn't see it coming. Mm. So uh, make of that what you will. A little bit of Sammy Edmund from uh, Trade Radio a short time ago. So, yeah, it's floored Brisbane, but it looks like Jack Gunston would like to head to Hawthorne. Had quite a few texts on that about where he might be better placed. Uh, he won here on the text from Ruboy, North Melbourne. He'd definitely fit into the North forward line, but at the expense of a potential young gun. He's not playing in our next flag. Ruboy from North Melbourne. Uh, Dwayne, oh, I'd love to have Gunners back at the Hawks. He'll be good depth player. And we're losing Kaziski, and I have no confidence in Chole, who needs to improve his defensive game significantly to play consistent AFL. Gunston will help in fast-tracking our youngsters. Give him a one-year deal, Mitch Edo. In Williamstown, thanks for that as well. Um, one here, I thought the Hawks were all about developing youth. Why get a 30-year-old? And, Dwayne, it's like a relationship. Once you once it's over, you don't go back. Gunston should go to a different Melbourne Club. Well, Ross Lyon's gone back, and that seems to be working fairly well at the moment. Speaking of the trade stuff for tyre power, number one on the tyres trade table, the compensation uh, pick has been given to St Kilda for Gresham, and it's an end of first round pick. And Carl in Roxburgh Park wants to talk about it. Welcome to you, Carl. Hi, Dwayne. Um, it's more uh, the discussion I want to speak to you about is about Tom Morris. Now, he's put up on the um, Instagram page, I was just seeing it. Uh, he said that Gresham could be on $700,000. Now, yep. I get that journalists have to fish around for information and all that stuff, and they're going to tell the public. No problem. But why would he say could? Like, why doesn't he try to find the actual accurate amount he's on and not put, like, so much pressure on the, on the guy? Like, I don't mind us knowing how much plays are on, but if you're not going to get the exact number that they're on, I don't reckon you should be saying that sort of stuff. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, so the ballpark that he is on is given to us by way of the AFL's compensation package for St Kilda. So we kind of know how much he's getting because it's an end of first round pick. So there's different grades of what pick you get as compensation and it's all based on your wage. So Tom's assessed it pretty well that he must be on that amount for St Kilda to get that compensation. So we kind of do know exactly the ballpark that he's receiving, Carl, because of that. Yeah, so why does he just say he is on that, not good? Because it's only a ballpark figure. The AFL, put, the AFL says that it's in his pay must be in this bracket to trigger an end-of-first-round pick. So that's why Tom's only quoting the bracket as opposed to the exact amount. Fair enough. Thanks, Dwayne. No, all good to have you call, uh, Carl. Yvonne in Mitcham. Welcome to you, Yvonne. Hey, Dwayne. I'm just driving from Mitcham to Lilydale, and I passed the people who were doing the walk. You know, oh, that's nice. Before, yeah. So I gave them a bit of a toot of encouragement, and um, so if they're listening, I just want them to know that. Yep, we saw them. They're just about. They're probably outside Antonio, walking past Antonio Park Primary School at the moment. But, uh, yeah, it was it was kind of exciting to just see them after he'd rung up and told you all about it. Hey, it's great to have you listen to the radio and being able to see them. Um, it's hard with a toot. Sometimes it can feel a bit aggressive. Did 
did they get it as a nice, love what you're doing kind of toot as opposed to a get out of the way toot? No, I get, it was a very friendly toot. I love it. Uh, hold the line. We'll find something for you from the House of Golf. We'll get a gift card for you, Yvonne. I really love the fact that you've taken the time to jump on the phone and dial up and give us that beautiful story. And uh, a couple of texts have come through. Great work, Mike, for raising awareness of mental health in men. Uh, keep a text coming through. 0433981116 is the number. 0433981116. Harley Reid. I want to open the lines up about Harley Reid after the break. In fact, right now, if you want to jump on the line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Where would he be better off going, North Melbourne or the West Coast? What's going to be better for Harley Reid? Just had a text saying North are going to be better off if they get those two early picks anyway, and maybe you get Curtin and Dersma anyway. If you go to the West Coast, you go to a big team with big crowds, fifty thousand plus every week, but there'll be heavy scrutiny on him as the so-called saviour. Adam Simpson's still under pressure to keep his job. You would think in the coming season. It's going to be a longer-term build. I reckon North Melbourne's rebuild is a year ahead of where the West Coast is. So the West Coast, they're not going to be playing finals, I don't think, for a while. There's a chance, given that he's got to move as well, he might not like the new city, given that he does have to move home. So that's another consideration that's going to make it harder for him as well. And he's not just moving a short way away. He's moving to a place that's three hours of flight away, plus... You've got to travel every week for West Coast, and that makes it difficult as well. Whereas with North Melbourne, you're at home, you're in the same state, you stay home in Victoria, there'll be less scrutiny because it's not as small a fish pond here, football in Melbourne, so that's going to help him, I think. Smaller crowds, yeah, for North Melbourne games, so you're not playing in front of the big 50,000 each week. But you do have a four-time premiership coach in Alistair Clarkson that is going to be there for the long haul, you would think, and I think you're a chance to play finals within two years for North Melbourne. Your thoughts on that? Where is he better off going? one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or send through a text 0433981116. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's Work, Dwayne's Work for Kangan Institute. Where is Harley Reid better off going? Andre in Perth. Welcome to you, Andre. Hey, how are you, mate? Good. Yes, mate. I was just, um, I just wanted to change the narrative a little bit and just sort of say last two years, well, this year you've got the young hawk that wants to come back to the West. Last year you had Luke Jackson wanting to come back to the West. Why mm. is there no talk of Daniel Curtin being a flight risk and wanting to head back to Perth after he gets, if he gets drafted over East? You might be right, Henry. Andre. But why hasn't that been publicised? For Harley, the young fellow, and um, the risk on him. Well, it hasn't, it hasn't. I mean, the Jason Horn francis story has been a huge one uh, here. I know you're in Perth, Andre, but Amongst North Melbourne fans, the go-home factor of Jason Horn francis as a number one pick has been a massive story. So the flight risk and the go-home factor, one here, hi, Dwayne. I reckon Jason Horn francis will end up the new Buckley, both intense and let the poor club, Ruse and the Lions, to go to what they perceive a successful club. As soon as they leave the club, they left rebounds and they miss out on success for years of misery. Ruse to rebound, Port to sink. What do you think? Cheers, Mick. On the Gold Coast. So there is a lot of that talk going on uh, that you might not have heard in Perth, Andre. But guess what? They talk about it here quite a bit in Victoria about the go-home factor, especially in the Jason Horn francis scenario. So you might be right. Michael in Darwin. Welcome to you, Michael. 
Yeah, good day, Dwayne. Just um, listening to you guys on the app. But, um, yeah, I'm an Eagle, obviously, Eagles fan. I've been a bit torn by what the Eagles should do. Should we trade that number one pick and try to get two first-rounders? But I'm going back the other way now. I think the Eagles should try to get Harley Reid if he's as good as what they say he is. It's just a matter of, um, you know, creating an environment. And the, and, and the Eagles, are, you know, they've won four flags. They're a great club, and I'm sure... He, he could be what they need with a lot of others to get them back on the get them back up there. But I suppose I know I, I know now that the, um, the 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 boys up there for three years when they're first drafted. Yeah. But the question, mate, are, are, the, are the clubs allowed to offer these guys like if we could get five six years out of, of picking Harley Reid and then he decided to go back to Melbourne, I think that'd be great for the Eagles. It'd be a bit like Chris Judd. So. Yeah, I agree with you on that, and uh, it's a good way of looking at it. Tom in Epping, you there, Tom? I'm here, Dwayne. Thanks for having me on. Your thoughts? So, I reckon uh, you should go to North Melbourne. The media over in WA, the scrutiny on the Eagles, and the pressure of being that uh, saviour of the football club, it never does the young player good. Um, you can come to North Melbourne, fly under the radar. I mean, they've already got a few good young players there. I mean... He can, uh, the young kid won a, uh, got into the All Australian um, under 18 team off the halfback flank in his bottom eight year, so he could even play there and push Sheezer forward or vice versa. They could form a real dangerous partnership. I just reckon uh, also with Alistair Clarkson, it would be the best thing for his development. Appreciate your call, Tom. Time for a bit of rapid fire, midday madness rapid fire. You want to get on before two o'clock, then get on the line now. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. That's the open line number. Get on the line now. We'll get you on before two. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Only Daniel in Whittlesey on the line right now. So a little bit of rapid fire. I'll go to your calls and read out a heap of your texts as well. That open line, by the way, for Werribee Kia, awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. And the text machine number for 40 Winks and Temper, 0433981116. The all-new Temper Pro, Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Temper mattresses like no other. Okay, rapid fire. Jump on the line. We'll get you on. Make your point. Make it quick. Daniel in Whittlesey. Welcome to you, Daniel. Dwayne, how you going, mate? Good. That's right. Um, I think West Coast will be making a mistake if they take Harley. Um, just on the fact that in a few years' time, uh, they could do everything right, and he might just want to go home. And they might not get much back for him. Put all that development into him, and then he leaves in the end anyway. Daniel, Steve in Port Arlington. You there, Steve? How are you going? Um, on, on Harley Reid and pick one, if West Coast have done their psych evaluations or whatever, and they're not, still not sure, then maybe they should tra- trade for North pick three and a couple of other picks and get themselves a bit of stock into their team pretty quick. Well, two or three really good players in the first round probably gives you a better shot at regeneration quicker. It just depends on how good Harley Reid ends up being. If he ends up being the next Joel Selwood or Scott Pendlebury, then it's going to help your club. But you still need good players around him. And I'm agreeing with you on that, Steve. I think North's in a really good spot right now. Picks 2, 3 and 15. And they're going to get two at least really good players with those picks, probably giving us 2, 3 and 15, get three Really good players, and it does help you regenerate more quickly. Great to have you call as well. Uh, Jeff in Adelaide, your thoughts, Jeff? Welcome to you. Yeah, g'day, Dwayne. Just a quick one. West Coast got Judd. They then traded. They got 
Kennedy, and I reckon West Coast won that one, so they'll probably do the same. So get him anyway, because you might actually get a lot back for him, Jeff. Exactly. Well, didn't they didn't they win a grand a grand final? Then they traded for Kennedy, and Kennedy was the linchpin in winning another grand final. They did. They look, they had success through that whole period, Jeff. So if you're going to get Chris Judd, and if Harley Reid is the next Chris Judd, well, you might as well pick him, and then. If he doesn't want to stay forever, you can get quite a bit for him. Uh, quite a few coming through on the text. Keep them coming through. Hey, Dwayne, I agree with you. North a chance to play finals in two years. Read to North when North start winning. Watch the big crowds come back. Nick in Albert Park. It would be nice if the big crowds came back. I don't think North are ever going to be Collingwood kind of big crowds coming to their games, but hopefully they'll start to fill Docklands, fill Marvel Stadium with the young guns that they're going to get and the Harley Reid to be added to that as well. Harley Reid to the Eagles and after two years over to the Blues. Tim and Berwick go Blues. Dwayne Todd for Kangan Institute. Unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now after a massive couple of hours of midday madness. Uh, midday madness is often a bit like a rodeo ride. You just sort of get on and hang on. It was great to have so many of your calls and texts come through. So I really love midday madness. Good to have your company for it and thank you to all of you who've taken the time to dial the number today and sent through a text that heap of texts that came through that I haven't had a chance to get to. We've still got a bit to get to in this hour, including a trade update. That's not far away. Campbell Brown is not far away from joining us as well. In fact, here's one on the text. Dwayne, when is Campbell Brown coming on? I can't wait forever. Andrew, well, he will be on later this hour, so we'll speak to Campbell Brown about all things racing and hopefully get a winner or two. Um, speaking of the text, let me read out a heap of your text before we get to the trade update. And the text machine for 40 winks in temper... 0433981116. The all-new Temper Pro, Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Temper mattresses like no other. Uh, Langer would have tapped a few on the shoulder, like Warner, Hazelwood, Cummins, Smith, bringing the new generation. So there's a few that still want Justin Langer back that are looking at the coaching as the reason why we're losing games at the moment. Uh, Dwayne, less scrutiny in the Melbourne bubble. Interesting take, Pipe. That's like saying Nick Dacos would get more scrutiny playing for West Coast than he does here playing for Collingwood. I don't think so. Marcus, oh, look, we'll agree to disagree on it. I think there's been less scrutiny on Harry Sheasel this year than there has been on a number one draft pick going to a bigger club in Victoria. I think it's been great, the amount of scrutiny he's got. I think it's been just about right. I think it's the Goldilocks zone of scrutiny that you'll get as a number one pick going to North Melbourne. And that's the beauty of it. Now, it was tough, I think, for Jason Horn francis in a year of turmoil for North Melbourne when he was there in his first year. And yes, it was another year of turmoil with, with Alistair Clarkson not coaching the whole year. It would be a little bit more of a fishbowl, I think, if you were if you were Nick Dacos playing for Collingwood in the biggest club in this town. But I think playing in a town that's got 10 teams as opposed to a town that's got two teams, I think does allow that scrutiny to be spread across all the young guns of the competition, not just on you. And there'd be a lot of pressure, I think, or there will be a lot of pressure on Harry Sheasel um, if, if he was going to the West Coast as the number one pick, like there will be on Harley Reid. Um, Jason North Francis is not that good. Sheasel and Wardlaw are way better. Jason from Caroline Springs. Yeah, we'll agree to disagree as well. Jason, there's another text that I have read out that I disagree with. Um, I think Jason North Francis is a really, really good player. And I think he will be for a long time. Dwayne, Harley Reid could end up like Paddy Dow. He was picked too. He might be. Um, but there's big raps on Harley. I think the recruiters are all getting this one right by the sounds of things. And they got it right with Jason Horn francis He just needed the right environment probably. 
Uh, Dwayne, this Australian cricket team failure has been a long time in the making ever since the players took control uh, and the moving on of JL. Barry in Kalangadu. Thanks for your text all the way in Kalangadu. I'm not sure where Kalangadu is, but great to have your text there. Dwayne, I've really been enjoying the cricket. So there you go. Some people are enjoying it at the moment. Okay. To the trades that have been done and that might be done, uh, a bit of a trade update coming away thanks to Tyre Power. A trade update for Tyre Power. Think safety this month. Get the five-minute tyre safety check at your local Tyre Power. So if you didn't hear earlier, Jake Gresham is officially a bomber after St Kilda opted not to match Essendon's offer for the restricted free agent. So the statement has just come through from St Kilda. So this is fresh off the press. So I'll read it to you. Jay Gresham will continue um, his football career at Essendon with the Saints finalising a move for the 26-year-old restricted free agent today. And the quote is, Jade has been an important part of this football club for eight years, including a significant contribution to the 2023 season, list manager Stephen Silvani said. However, whilst Jade was keen to explore a path forward that allowed for new opportunities for his career, the club in turn determined that this is also allowed it to continue its commitment to bring in talented young players through the draft. Jade has been a popular teammate with close relationships across our club and we're sure they will continue. We wish Jade all the best for his next chapter, his new chapter. Uh, following Gresham's departure, the Saints have received pick number 21 as compensation. So as we spoke about yesterday, that end of first round pick. So the Saints draft hand now stands with a pretty strong 13, well, it's not as strong as many, I suppose, 13, 21, 34, and 55. Uh, so, and the, the quote continues to say, this compensation pick further enhances our commitment to the draft as we look to add to our pool of quality young players. So, Bomber fans, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Your reaction to that now that it's official, he is moving to Essendon and the Saints have accepted it. The other news, as reported earlier today, and we've talked about it a bit, Jack Gunston has requested a trade back to Hawthorne from Brisbane. The Lions are considering that request, and it sounds like Hawthorne um, are on the same page as well and may want him back, so we'll keep an eye on that. And North Melbourne's list manager, Brady Rawlings, has spoken to Trade Radio, so he's spoken about a few things. Firstly, on the potential of recruiting uh, Biggie Newen from Richmond. Here's Brady on that. Yeah, there's there's some interest from our end in Biggie. Um, he's a he's a very athletic player. He's um, able to play in the rock and key defence. So um, when we're looking at, at some of these players to fill some some list needs for us and and potentially have an opportunity to come in and play AFL footy, we have looked at players who play multiple roles, and, and we think Biggie's one of those. So. Yeah, we we are just in discussions at this stage. He hasn't been offered. Uh, he's obviously hasn't been offered a contract just yet, and he's previously the listed player. So we'll look to ramp up those discussions in the coming days as well. Brady Rawlings on that. So Biggie Newen, and whether he'll join them. So Brady Rawlings was also asked about. They need key defenders. They need good defenders. Brady Rawlings was asked about Nick Haynes, who's got a big wage coming his way next year, one way or the other. Here's Brady Rawlings on Nick Haynes. Uh, we, we, as we mentioned before, Riley, we have been looking key defensive space. We've been looking internally as well as to how our own players might be able to uh, to play down back as well. So um, we, we think with Toby coming in and, and some other options, we we think we've got enough um, enough support there. Uh, having said that, we're, we're always open to 
to players that um, that could help us in the short term as well. We, we're really excited by our young group and, and we'll add to that this year in the draft. But having lost so many experienced players in, you know, Goldstein, Cunnington, uh, Zeebel, Hall, um, you know, there's a lot of players experience there that we have lost that, you know, if someone could help us um, along with Liam Shields who have gone with for another year um, for next year or two, then we'd, we'd certainly look at that as well. Brady Rawlings on Nick Haynes in the interest there. He's also asked about their strategy with assistance package picks. They were given a couple of assistant package picks by the AFL, which it's either use them or lose them, and that's why they're using them. Here's Brady Rawlings on those. Yeah, obviously it was uh, you know, getting the benefit of that assistance. Um, you know, we're obviously grateful for to be able to bring some players in and and uh, still be able to draft at the top end. So when, when we did get the assistance and, and clearly when you got something that can be taken off, you, uh, you know, the play was to, to use them ideally in, in getting our trades done. Um, so it's helped us bring in, in Fisher and Stevens, but it's also helped us improve our draft hand this year um, while retaining our draft hand next year. So, yeah, there's definitely definitely the strategy around it. Um, so, yeah, we feel like we've, we've used it to our benefit at this stage. And, um, yeah, now it's about picking the, picking the right players with, uh, with our selections. Which brings us back to pick one. Are they going to trade up to pick one and try and get Harley Reid or not? Brady Rawlings was asked that, obviously. Yeah, well, I think when you look at, at those picks, they're all, they're all first-round picks um, that were on the table. Um, you know, some clubs can be looking to get up as high as possible, get the best talent. Others might look at um, bringing in a number of players. Um, and and we're, we were obviously in that space thinking we could get up and potentially look at the real top-end talent and, and maybe that a club would look at uh, getting four first-rounders, but that's uh, obviously not the case. So, um, you know, we're, we're pretty comfortable with sitting at the moment. We've got two, three, 15, 17, 18. So we've got five picks inside the 18, and we've got our future hand. So we will still look to potentially manoeuvre uh, to get up a bit higher. Um, but, uh, yeah, if, if, if it doesn't... Uh, come to fruition, um, we're picking at two and three. We're going to get two really good players there as well. Do you know who you want at two and three if you stay? Yeah, we do. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It was, obviously we've been watching these players since they were uh, 15 or 16, so um, yeah, we're, we're pretty confident in that, in that top group um, and the order they're in. Um, we'll just wait and see who, uh, if we do have pick two and three, we'll see who's got pick one and who they call out, and we're pretty confident in the next two after that. Brady Rawlings, so what do you make of that? Pretty confident in the next two after that, regardless of who the West Coast Eagles call out with pick one. That trade update for tyre power, number one on the tyres trade table. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you'd like to weigh in. A couple of texts on the way to a break. And then we'll have a chat to Josh Jenkins and take your calls after the break. One here, loving Essendon's effort in this trade period, actually having a crack and not sitting on their hands, replacing Brandon Zerk-Thatcher with a big Ben Mackay and a veteran in Goldie, stoked to grab Gresham. Also bring on 2024. That's from Mike. Uh, just an update on where Kalangadu is. Dwayne Kalangadu is in the southeast of SA, about 20 k's from Panola. Thanks for that update. I now know where it is. Appreciate that update. Um, Reed must go to the Eagles for development of his persona and adulthood. It's time to get out of his comfort zone. 
It's not as if he's going to Siberia. He'll be travelling to Melbourne regularly. I'm not sure if I read that out earlier. But, yeah, I, some players do need to leave their state. I wanted to leave, but I wanted to come and play in the VFL, or as it was then, the VFL, into the AFL. So I kind of had no choice, but I never regret leaving at all and haven't gone back. And there's a lot of players that don't regret leaving and don't go back, including, well, you can run along this through, Matthew Pavlich, Shannon Hearn. They've gone to the West and haven't gone back. Um, and Stephen Kernahan, quite a few players that have never gone back to their home state. So, yeah, you could get a player and he stays forever. Uh, Dwayne uh, would love to know where the Dodoro haters are now. Absolute witch hunt against him with the scenarios he's had to deal with. Aaron in Wonga Park, thanks for that as well. Dwayne, I want Geelong to turn the trade around and offer Radicalia and a picks for Ollie Lord. Brownie, well, Ollie, Ollie Lord, he's got a big upside. I agree with you on that. Um, and uh, Dwayne... West Coast would be mad to give up Harley. Dusty Reed, I think he would look great in a navy blue jumper in the future. Cheers, Dean. So there's quite a bit of that coming through as to where he might be best placed. Nick and Craigie Byrne, you want to talk Jay Gresham at Essendon. Welcome to you, Nick. Hey, Dwayne. How are you going today, mate? Good. Yeah, it's a good pick from the Bombers, definitely. And, you know, you're not paying too much for him. Um, so happy with that, but... Just a bit worried because the one thing we've lacked over the last, you know, 10 years has been the big body midfield. Um, we just seem to never go for it. So I'm just wondering what your thoughts on that are. Yeah, so who do you want? Who do you get, Nick? Who's available to get that big body midfielder? Well, in, in the past, we had Dunkley wanting to come. We couldn't, wouldn't give up yep. for that. That's but true. Why not, yep. why not give up, you know, Pick 8 and Zerk Thatcher for Ollie Wines and Dersma? Yeah, look, if if you had Jake Stringer as being fit all the time, it'd be an option for you, Nick. He's that that kind of Jordan Dugowie, Dustin Martin guy, but he just isn't that guy often enough. Is is that fair, or do you think he's better as a forward only anyway? Yeah, he definitely, you know, he's definitely good in the midfield, but he's never had the tank to do it, and, he, you know, he's, he's getting too old to ever get a tank now. So it's just... We've definitely done well this um, trade period with Mackay's looks very solid. Um, but, yeah, just still worried that we're just going to keep losing the midfield battle for the next five years, you know, because we don't have anyone coming in that big body midfield. You look at Hobbs, you look at Caldwell, they're all still that Zach Merritt, Darcy Parrish height. Yeah, it's a good point you make, I suppose, Nick. I hadn't really thought that one through, but now that you put it in my mind, you're pretty much spot on. Maybe that is the kind of guy you need. Great to have you call. Hey, thanks to all of you that have called so far. Um, a bit more trade talk coming after the break. Dermot Brereton said something earlier today that I want to play for you in Lost in the Wash as well. And uh, one text I do want to read on the way to the break. Hi, Dwayne. What a lovely call from Yvonne. That's why I love listening in every day. Um, thanks for your text, Susan. It is nice to have those just off-the-cuff callers coming through and so many women calling these days as well for Midday Matters and the show in general. <laughs> Lost in the wash. What's been lost in the wash today? Lost in the wash for rjsanderson.com.au. Take the stress out of tax. By the way, Campbell Brown, not far away from joining us. He's going to join us with a few tips of the weekend in about 10 minutes' time, so stick around for that. And if anything else happens in the trade world, we'll bring you an update all the way up to 3 o'clock, thanks to Tyre Power, number one on the tyres trade table. But lost in the wash, the Sam Mitchell direct feedback to Tom Mitchell, which Tom Mitchell didn't like and complained about, on his podcast, has been a talking point this week. And Hawthorne 
is always a bit of a talking point with Sam Mitchell. I reckon he's kind of one of those guys that seems to get the text machine going a bit. Tom Mitchell certainly got it going for the last couple of days. Well, one of the Hawthorns' greatest ever players, Dermot Brereton, the five-time, five-time, weighed in on direct feedback earlier today on SEN. And your thoughts on this story, if you want to jump on, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Here's Derm on Alan Jeans and direct feedback to Dipper, old school style. Yabby Jeans pushed Dipper against the locker once. A text message coming pushed from him against the locker. He drove his forearm elbow into his throat and lifted him off the ground. Oh what? Have I not, why told not him? Story? Uh, I'll tell it to you during the break. No, I want to know it now. And told him what he should be doing with himself on and off the field. Yeah. And Dipper said it was the hardest moment of his life and the best moment of his life. Why did he deserve that? Because he was mucking up. And what? wasn't getting the most out of himself. And the mortal sin that Alan Jeans believed a footballer could commit was to get through to the end of his career, ask himself one question, did I get the most out of my career that my talent should have got? Mm. And if you can't answer with a yes, you're letting yourself down. And Dipper, was, and Dipper openly admits at that point in time he wasn't. So this was at training or during a game? After training. And you were there and saw it? Uh, I wasn't there and saw it, but I've heard that Robert's a very good friend of mine, yeah. and I've heard Dipper speak about it many, many times. It's a great, and he's very humorous the way he does it yeah. and talks about it. But that would be unacceptable now, wouldn't it? Uh, a coach wouldn't be able to do that to a player in 2023, Dem. No, they wouldn't. No. No, they wouldn't. But by, by God, some of them probably need it. <laughs> Um, so D- D- Dipper would, will, would tell you, but he, he played a very good game coming off the bench the week before, mm-hmm. got 20 possessions after mm-hmm. halftime in a day and an era when you weren't interchanged on and off. You stayed off, you came on. If you got taken off, you pretty well stayed off until mm-hmm. somebody got injured or fell completely out of form or did something wrong by team rules. And Dipper came on after halftime one game, got 20 possessions. The next week he got dropped. And he went into the trainer's room and where Alan Jeans used to read the team to the trainers. Yeah. And he, it's fair to say Dipper might have got into a bottle of scotch, oh. had one or two sherbets. Yep. And when Yabby walked in to announce the team to the trainers, as he did as a privilege to them before it got handed out to the media, there was no uh, Dippy Edomenico there and Dipper pointed at him across the crowd and said, I want to talk to you. And Alan Jean said, come with me, son. And he took him down to his room, closed the door behind him, casually turned around and drove his elbow up under his chin, lifted him off the ground and told him what he thought of his lifestyle, what he thought of him as a footballer, Mm -hmm. the glorious things he thought of him and the poor things he thought of him. And Dipper said it was the hardest. And he said it broke Dipper down. Mm -hmm. So it was the hardest direct talk he'd ever had and the best moment in his life for his life. Unbelievable. That's, Unbelievable. A, li- that's a life moment. And, yeah. And, and, yeah, they won't accept it that way these days, but, but as I'm, I'm saying it mucking around and you have a laugh, but, my God, some, some people need that these mm. days. Didn't want that to get lost in the wash for rjsanderson.com.au. RJ Sanderson and Associates are accountants and taxation specialists. Take the stress out of tax. Dermot Brereton with Tom Morris on SEM Breakfast. Peter and Inverley, you want to talk Tom Mitchell? Welcome to you, Peter. G'day, Dwayne. Your thoughts? Hello. Yeah, you're on the air. Um, 
Yeah, just on that one key point in that, Alan Jeans actually took him away one-on-one and delivered the dialogue straight up and, and front. Um, what happened with uh, Mitchell, I believe, from what I'm hearing is that um, that uh, he that was said in front of a group. So, you know, um, that's, that doesn't cut the mustard anymore. I know personally myself, I don't mind copping it one-on-one, but in front of my peers, that would be a defining moment. So I think that's that needs to be recognised. And a point very well made, Peter. I accept your point 100%. Uh, you made it brilliantly, and I'm glad you jumped on the line. A couple of tags on the way to a quick break and then another call or two. Uh, just feel like Harley Reid is a bigger profile than most number one picks of recent years. Hype will follow him. And if he goes to the West Coast, then the Willie Leave will follow him like it did Jason Horn Francis. He's best going to North and settling in, even though it's 2023. And we will still hear the Willie Leave for a bigger club in three years talk. Thanks for that, Marcus. And one here on who Essendon's big bodied mid will be, Sam Durham will be our big mid at Essendon. Jack on the road, your thoughts on Durham's story? Welcome to you, Jack. Uh, actually, there's quite a few coaches um, who put the heavy uh, hand on, basically not um, in physical, but um, aggressive like Ron Barassi used to do, and they got the sack because of uh, treating the youngsters um, with aggression in their voices, the way he spoke to them. And there was one person that I knew of um, who this happened to. It can't be confirmed, but I was told that uh, Stan Alves got the flick because he was too hard on the boys. And the, and the actual um, parents got upset. Well, there is vision of Stan being hard on one particular player one afternoon. I'm trying to think of who it was. But uh, it did get talked about a lot at the time, Jack, that one in particular. Uh, one here, Dwayne, it's not about the direct feedback, it's about unfair feedback, and I get that as well. Hey, Daryl on the Central Coast, quickly before Campbell Brown, you want to talk Nathan Lyon? Yes, mate. Uh, just let you know, Nathan's uh, playing at Asquith tomorrow, which is the northern suburbs of Sydney. Um, expecting a few people there, and my young bloke's lucky enough to be selected in the team to play with him. So what time, Asquith, what time? Afternoon? 10am start, 10am, one day game. Great stuff, Daryl. If he bowls well, they might get him over to India. Great to have you call. Tune in Sunday morning, 10am, for This Is Your Journey. Sammy Edmund interviewing champion Australian cyclist Phil Anderson. And that's all thanks to Tobin Brothers celebrating lives. Thanks to all of you who took the time to dial the number and jump on the open line. Um, Dom and Ivanhoe, you'll have to be super, super quick. You there, Dom? I am, Diane. I am, Diane. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted a quick one. So I watched a video on Peter Drury and his commentary. And I just wanted to know how much time and effort it takes for you. And I'm sure you get this all the time, but how much time and effort it takes for you to prep for a commentary game? Uh, normally a day a game. Tom, I normally do, um, you know, at least watch the two teams that are playing in the game that I'm about to commentate from the week before. Now, if I've already done that game, then at least I've watched it. But, yeah, so uh, you're watching two games of footy. I'm um, not, not sure what that adds up to, but that's probably five hours of prep plus all the prep that you do on um, their backgrounds, etc. So if they've kicked five goals in that game, then you know they've kicked five goals before or they've never kicked five goals before, that kind of stuff, Dom. So there's a lot of that that goes on. But, hey, it's a job I love, Dom. So I absolutely love it. It's, it's my life. Watching footy is my life. So, you know, it's, it's a joy to be doing this show, to be honest as well. To talk footy... 
a couple of hours a day with people who love footy as much as I do. It's just a delight. So I'm, I'm lucky in the job that I've got, and I'm lucky that I get paid by a couple of great organisations like Fox and SEN to be able to talk footy with people like you and commentate on the game that I love so much. So it is hard to watch nine games of footy every week. I, it is tough to get through all nine. Sometimes I don't get through all nine. I get through eight. But uh, I couldn't think of anything else I'd rather do. Hey, thanks for your call, by the way, Dom. Sammy Evans just reporting that Carlton has post-assistant coach Jordan Russell out of North Melbourne. So fitness coach and assistant coach Jordan Russell um, to join their coaching panel. So he'll look after the Carlton forward line. Jordan Russell has been poached. He's going to look after the forward line. How about that? Nice story as well from Sammy. Thanks to all of you sent texts as well on the text machine. The one here, Dwayne, just past the Lilydale footy guys doing their walk for mental health. They're going through Ringwood. Some tired-looking guys. Keep up the good work. Cam from Churnside Park. So the team are listening. Uh, yeah, keep up the good work, guys. All those texts, thanks to 40 Winks. 40 Winks and Temper. T-E-M-P-U-R. Mattresses and pillows like no other. Dwayne taught for Kangan Institute. Unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. And it's Friday, which means it's Campbell Brown time. SEN track and AFL Nation commentator. Thanks to the new McCrispy. It's the next big thing. Try today at Macca's. Available from or after 10.30am. Brownie, great to have you back. Uh, and it's getting down to your grand final time. I hope you got some winners for us. Yeah, hopefully, mate. Um, we had a scratching in my best last weekend, which is a bit, bit disappointing. But um, massive racing. You know, uh, my favourite race day of the year is the Corfu Guineas. I'm going to be trackside Saturday. Hopefully, the weather here in Melbourne improves a little bit. It's going to be glorious up in Sydney for the Everest. And um, everyone can't wait. I haven't been to the Caulfield Guineas for a while, but I did have a tradition for a while of uh, the younger crowd getting there and enjoying the frivolity. Is that still the case? It certainly is. And, um, I mean, it's, it's great racing. There's three Group 1s. There's plenty of Group 2s. And um, it's not as busy as, as Caulfield Cup and, and then, obviously, the, the Flemington Carnival. So I really enjoy it. I find that, um, you know, it's a bit more for the, for the racing purists, I, I would suggest. But then there's plenty of, of fun and the DJs come out. Um, you know, for the for the younger generation too, which is what racing needs to continue to prick their interests. Absolutely. So where would you like to start? Because it is a massive card. Oh, it is. Let's go. My best of the day um, is in race six, horse number one at Caulfield. It's it's Ayrton, who um, as a you know three and four year old promised to be an absolute superstar. Um, then lost form. Then nearly died when it was bitten by a spider. Back. Um, ready to rock and roll. It's unbeaten this uh, this gelding at Caulfield, four from four. It's got a great first up record. You're getting a pretty generous price at four dollars twenty, and I think he can bounce back and return to form uh, on Saturday in race six. Um, the Caulfield Guineas looks to be an absolute cracker. I mean, Militarise has done nothing wrong and absolutely deserves favouritism, but I just think two dollars sixty is a little bit short. Um, I'm having uh, two bets in this race. Both of them at pretty good odds. The Margusus runner have a horse called Centrify, which um, last start at Caulfield, uh, you know, jumped, led, gave a good kick, and, and it took the party uh, every um, effort late to, to get over the top of it. And um, I thought the mile looks perfect. It's $21. I'm going to have a cheeky little each-way bet on the Nick Ryan runner, Wolfie. This would be a great story because this horse... When he, he's an ex-jockey, decided to become a trainer. And um, this is one of the first horses that his connections bought for him. A lot of close family and friends. And um, 
it's turned out to be a really good horse. If they could win a first group one, being the Caulfield Guineas, that'd be a great story. It's been 34s into 14, Swain. So they certainly haven't missed it. And then if we look to the last, I mean, Amelia's Jewels, absolutely the, the horse to beat in that. But I'm going to have a, a another little each-way play as well on attrition to run in the top three. So a little bit of value floating around. Um, in terms of the Everest, I've only ever had my eye on one horse in this race right from the start. You remember a few weeks ago, I tipped Private Eye first up and it logged yep. in the shorts at $10. Um, I'm tipping it again, $7. Um, Joseph Pride's got a got two really good chances here. And I just think everyone's talking about um, I wish I win and think about it, but I think Private Eye's just snuck under the radar. It ran second last year to Giga Kick in a, in a similar type of preparation, going there second up. And um, I think it can be very, very strong late. So let me pry a little further, Brownie. Is this to all your eye? Because I noticed that Anton's last four starts, eighth, fifth, seventh, eighth. Yeah, first up from a spell, Damien Lane on board. So so you just like the, the Caulfield form specifically? So you, you're sort of riding off the recent stuff and deciding that the, the spider bite was bad enough? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, not, not a lot went right a couple of preparations ago. And, um, you know, that was, the horse was was racing some really, really strong races. Um, not being disgraced in them, you know, but um, just clearly he wasn't up to his absolute best. But unbeaten at this track and trip, which is really important. Um, and um, good reports coming out of the stable that some of his work has been back to absolute top-notch what he was a few years ago. So, um, yeah, if, I mean, if he puts that all together from a reasonably good barrier with one of the best jockeys in the country on board, uh, I think he could blow them away and $4.20 will look like a gift. And it's not that you don't like Amelia's Jewel, you just don't like the price? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's one of those ones where you, you either you know, back it and, um, and you have a couple of multis throughout the course of the day with Amelia's Jewel t- towards the, the end of the day or you look around for a little bit more value. And, um, you know, just a horse like Attrition, $5.50 the place, um, which is, is double what you're getting for Amelia's mm. Jewel to win. Drawn barrier 12, good horse. It's going to probably head up to, to Sydney after this start um, and, and bypass the Cox Plate, which would be a real shame because I thought that uh, she could just about win the Cox Plate if she went there. But um, it's just far too short for the last race of the day. And while I've got you with Randwick, uh, so you've tipped Pericles before, I reckon, to us, maybe last spring a couple of times. Do you not like Pericles and the Silver, Silver Eagle, or do you think it's a too open a race to be tipping? Yeah, I'm, I'm a, look, I'm a bit off Pericles. I, I remember tipping it to you um, last spring and, and yep. it didn't win, and it's come out this, this time and gone bang, bang, and won both of them. Um, there's, uh, that's a bit frustrating that I didn't, didn't uh, stick with him. Um, but... Uh, the one that I'm probably going to have something small on in the last lane, race 10, if you can wait that long, is yep. the Bjorn Baker runner, Renaissance Woman. Um, it's around $6 um, second up as well. That's a massive chance. So, look, there's some there at value um, that we can have a little play at and, um, and have a bit of fun. And hopefully when we speak next week, uh, I'll tip, tip the punters in or a few winners. And you're not a quaddy man either, are you? So you're tipping us a couple of uh, you know reasonably priced options in the last leg of Quaddy's last race of the day, but you've never been a Maltese man, have you? No, mate, I'd love to be a Quaddy guy, but the, my problem is I only ever get two or three legs of the Quaddy, and then I, um, <laughs> I crack it and say never again. 
uh, story of my life. So um, I, I did get a quaddy one day, though, when I went field, 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 field. <laughs> did you get your money <laughs> and back? I ended up losing money on it. <laughs> yep. Hey, what's the biggest day going to be at the carnival in five or six years' time? Is it still going to always going to be... Well, is it, how big is the Everest going to become? Because we know that the Everest is getting big, bigger and bigger in terms of its prize money. It's, it's about the lure of horses for overseas as well going forward. Well, where are we going to be at in three or four or five years' time, given how hard Sydney's trying? Yeah, look, um, the Everest is always going to be the, the, the big prize money, the big draw card for the sprinters. The, the really interesting thing for me, Dwayne, is that you know there's $31.5 million up in Sydney this Saturday in prize money, yet the current top 50 rated horses in the world, there's only one in the top 50, and that's I Wish I Win Running. Right. So while the prize money's going up, um, just at the moment, it's in the sort of holding pattern that um, th- those star international horses and star sprinters aren't necessarily getting lured out here for the big prize money. But, um, you know, Sydney will always try and disrupt Melbourne's Spring Carnival. It's, it's, it's what the Everest was built for. And um, I think that they can coexist beautifully. I mean, I, I don't have any problem whatsoever with going to Caulfield on, on Saturday and some people are going to Sydney for the Everest. It's, it's personal preference. But it's great racing in both states. And I'm going to keep a very, very close eye on what's happening up in Sydney. But I'll just be at Caulfield. And next year I might swap around and do the opposite. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yes. um, I know that there's all this the rivalry between New South Wales racing and Victoria and everything. But I honestly have always said that if, if racing in general cooperated and worked together rather than against each other, it'd be a far better product. And one last question, because you are the party king. So there's a party anywhere in the world, you are at it, and you're normally at the front of it. What is the biggest party day of racing in Australia right now? Because I always thought that it was either... Well, if it wasn't Caulfield Guineas when you were younger and single, then it might have been Cox Plate Day when you were sort of in that twilight zone of your life in your 20s. What's the biggest party day now that Sydney's turning it on? Uh, I reckon it's the Cox Plate. There's the Labrokes party lawn that they've launched this year, and mm. um, it is going to be absolutely magnificent. I, I love Mooney Valley. You're right there on the racetrack. Uh, it's just iconic. It's, it's the best wait-for-age race in the country, and... Um, I reckon Cox Plate's the one that if you're going to earmark one and say this is the day we're going to get all the crew together and have a crack, I'd be going to the, the Labrokes uh, party lawn. 28 of, the last, 28 of the last 30 I've been to, Brownie. Uh, I, I'm glad it's that, that, it, that is a tradition that continues. In fact, I asked Joe Braithwaite whether he was playing. I saw him grand final day, and I don't think he's been booked. they got someone else singing horses. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Like he was, he's an institution there, and um, it was one of the great sing-alongs of of all time. But he wasn't there last year, and I'm not sure why he's not there this year. I don't know if he's priced himself out of it, or or he just needs to rest those vocal cords. But um, no doubt, Dwayne, you and I'll be singing it, no matter who's there and uh, and on the um, on the guitar. Yep, and off tune as well. Will be Brownie. Great to have you. I'll see you. Well, I won't see you on the weekend, but I'll see you soon. We'll talk soon. Thanks to thanks for coming on again. See you, mate. Campbell Brown, SEN Track, AFL Nation commentator. Thanks to the new McCrispy. It's the next big thing. Try today at Macca's. Available after 10.30am, so it's available right now. And don't forget, think tyre safety this month. Thanks to Tyre Power, you can get the five-minute tyre safety check at your local tyre power. And good to see Tyre Power and the team jumping on board 
the Mavericks as well, uh, Hutchian, our new netball team. And remember, imagine what you could be buying instead for free and confidential support. Visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Dwayne's World for Kangan Institute. Unleash you at Kangan Institute enrol now. Thanks for your company this week. It's been a delight to take your calls and your text for Midday Madness. And I'm back Monday for Midday Madness. So another big week of trade week and Midday Madness. Can't wait for your company next Monday. So please join me then. A quick reminder, at SEN, we do love our dogs. And for your chance to win a family pass to the Dog Lovers Festival on this weekend, you can check out our fairy friends on 1116SEN's Instagram story. There's a video of Adam Cooney there right now. Well, Adam Cooney and his dog, obviously, not just Adam Cooney. Time to celebrate some lives thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. A shout-out to two of our greats of the pool, Happy birthday to Australian swimming legend Ian Thorpe, who turns 41 today. And a shout-out to Dawn Fraser, who won this day in 1964 on her third successive gold medal in the 100 metres freestyle. Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. Beaumont Tiles are giving away a trip for two to American footy's biggest game worth over $70,000. Just shop in-store at Beaumont's before November 12, and you're in with a chance to win terms and conditions apply again thanks for sending so many texts through hopefully i read enough of them out it's been fantastic how many texts have come through this week uh, trades really got things motoring on the text machine and it's been almost as crazy as it was grand final week so put that number in your phone 0433 98 11 16 for next week that's the 40 winks text machine and if you drop into 40 winks or you want to jump online you can check out the temper range the whole temper range is at 40 winks i've been to 40 winks in Geelong, in fact, my whole family went down there and had a lay on the temper beds just to check out the whole temper range. You can do the same at your local 40 Winks or check out the temper range online. The all-new Temper Pro, Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Temper, T-E-M-P-U-R, mattresses like no other. And that is the truth. We did all go down there and lay on the temper beds at 40 Winks Geelong. And again, thanks to the team at Warrabick here for being part of the show this week. If you're in the market for a new or used car, drop down and see the team at Warrabick here. David, Janan, Aid, Jim, Joey, you should know them by name by now. But if you're in the market for a new or used car, drop down and see the team at Werribee Kia. Uh, Andy and Gaze, you're looking forward to your company straight after the break. So that's it for me. Thanks again. See you Monday.